This is the homebrew playing. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, now, now I see why it's so oh, hard. Oh, it's like the moment you, oh, it's like you lean you in. Why it's so hard. Yeah, let's step up, man. This is the Homebrew Game Club, a podcast about modern, brand new aftermarket video games for retro consoles. On this podcast, we pick one game a month to play and talk about. Today's game is not a game. We're talking about our favorite five games that we played in 2022. But it's still going to be exciting and fun, so you should stick around. My name's Connor, also known as Connor Nash on Twitter. And joining me today are... Yeah, my name is Nick, also known as Divertov. That's D-V-E-R-T-O-V. And I'm Bart, also known as Clever Username Needed on uh, the Instagrams. Before we get started, I'd like to remind everyone that this podcast, we believe in honest opinions, but we also understand that many of these games are not made by professionals. They are labors of love. Also, as a note to our listeners, we are not game developers ourselves. We are just fans. So please keep that in mind as we offer up any criticisms of these games. So, guys, 2022, what a year. Ups, downs, lefts, rights, A, B, start, selects. How were we doing? What did we feel was good about this year? <laughs> that was great. That was great. One take, too. As a kind of a caveat to that, uh, you know, we always do that little disclaimer because we don't want to get un- hurt anybody's feelings. But, you know, that my, we, we kind of talked about this. The idea here was that we would just be talking about any game that we played in 22 that, that we wanted to talk about. And so if it's a AAA game, I'm going to rip it to shit if I didn't like it. So... <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, it's that's not, the great not, thing it, about playing triple a games is that you're not, not gonna it's hurt not that it's, it's well, not made it's made by a professional they were paid they're okay they, they were they, paid to do it so it's like if i hurt your feelings at least you got paid at least okay. you're home mm-hmm. you're eating your sunday roast you're having a good time that's right yeah 2022 i don't know uh what did you guys have a good year i i had a i would say i had a reasonably good year i had an eventful year you had an epic year hold up one second hold on hold on sorry hold on Hey guys, I'm still recording down here, so be quiet, please. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) That's how I talk to my kids, right? No. Bart turns around at the microphone. I spent a lot of time with my family. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good Lord. All right. Let's let's start that one over. This whole episode is going to be outtakes. This is just oh, the yeah. outtake episode because this is 2022. Yeah, 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 2022 yeah. was an outtake year, right? That's what it was. It was the year where we so, just like, yeah, we were like, oh, it's going to be great. And then it just came apart of the seams. And I, I had an eventful year. Yeah. I Isn't that every year months. now? Oh, that year's part of it for it. you specifically. It, it, no, no, but I mean, it's like, it, is that a trend that we're starting? Is is, is every year going to be a, 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 a rolling shit show. Rolling shit show year. Um, <laughs> I hope what? to God 23 is better than 21 and 20. I mean, I just want 23 to stay stable. 20, 20 was the year from hell. Jesus Christ. Oh, <laughs> They're uh, all that, bad. They're all bad. 20, 20 doesn't exist in my brain. Right? Oh. Um, yeah. But that's the COVID. The COVID ate that part of your brain. Yeah. I was talking to my mother about this. She, she was saying how, like, well, uh, I gave some, like, estimate on, like, how long it was since she had done something. And she was like, oh, well, you have to add or subtract two years now, no matter what, like, because it's all just weird. Like, she, like she's yeah. completely lost all sense of time. Yeah, I think about, like, how long has it been since I've seen in-laws or whatever. And it's like, no, it couldn't have been four years, you know, or it, 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 it can't be that long. But it's like, yes, it has been. You know, it's it's crazy like that just everybody's sense of time is thrown off because it's just it's just like so fucking unbelievable that 
you know, that you've just had your entire life turned upside down because of a global pandemic and who the fuck knows what else. So crazy. And so, and so in order to make that year feel a little bit more, you know, palatable, a little bit more fun, a little bit more human. What have we done? What have we what have we been doing? What what's been going on in twenty twenty two with you? I'm gonna turn to you first, clever username needed. What's going on? You, with your your favorites, your your top fives, your top tens, your top two hundreds. What's going on with your twenty twenty two and how have you enjoyed it? I tell you, my twenty twenty two has most of my free time has been spent playing video video games and watching movies. Um I saw a bunch of great movies this year and I've played a couple of uh, good video games and a couple of real stinkers. Um, I I mean, I have a list. I don't know how you want to do this. You want to just like g- go one should, at a time and take turns? I think we should yeah. go. Yeah, yeah we should yeah, take turns. Right. I'm very curious about the stinkers, but let's start on a positive note. Uh, I mean, what, what was uh, well, if we're going to start on a positive note. All right. I don't have any um, stinkers. Do I need to pull up a stinker? Shit. I think oh, I'm not going to talk about any of this. I'm not going to talk about any of the stinkers. Uh, every oh, okay, game okay. on here, may, well, maybe maybe one. I, I included it because it kicked my ass so hard. And it's been kicking a lot of people's ass. Um, maybe we can just start there as Elden Ring. Now, I've played Dark Souls games before, and they are notoriously hard as fuck. But at least I could get somewhere in them. With Elden Ring, man, I got into this game, and I started playing it, and it's gorgeous. And... That's about all I can say because there's not much there to point you in a direction of anywhere to go. So I kind of just started wandering and that's the absolute wrong thing to do (laughs) in that game because you will get just absolutely abused. Now, for those of you who don't know anything about Elden Ring, maybe you don't, maybe you do, but it's it's an action role-playing game. The reason I got into it is because I heard that George R. R. Martin helped to do some world building in it, which is, you know, the guy that created Game of Thrones, which I absolutely adore. I got it for the PlayStation 5. It is absolutely gorgeous. There are a few different ways you can start your game by picking different characters as, a you know, your typical action role playing game does. And it's a completely like free roaming open world game. And that's where the trouble started with me because <laughs> I could not could quite figure out where to go. And I just repeatedly got my ass kicked to the point. I played this game for probably a solid 10 hours. And I started over at least four times to try to do a different character build. Cause I thought I was doing something wrong and I never once made it to a boss. Wow. Just the standard people walking around killed me over and over and over to the point where I got frustrated and I just deleted it off my PS. Like just random NPCs. Like you go into a shop and they just stab you to death. No, like uh, you walk up next to a, a camp where these knights are walking around and the knights will just obliterate you. And like, what? if you trigger one, then you got seven of them on you or, you know, I was, yeah, it's, it's just, the whole thing was a shit show. And then I, I started reading all this stuff about Elden Ring, how it's like got the most Game of the Year awards. Uh, like, it's insane how like people love this game. And I guess I might love it, too, if I was any good at it. <laughs> but I heard somewhere that it's like the highest rated game and also like the most abandoned game ever. Like, m- more people beat it than any other game. And also more people tried to play it and walked away from it than any other game. Like, that, that tracks for me in my experience. Huh. 
Well, I was curious because you, I know you put this on your list and I, I, cause you're often talking on this podcast about games that you play that are like, well, this game is too difficult and I just walked away. So I was like, I thought it was interesting that Elden Ring showed up on your list. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it's, I mean, is that what you did? You just, you, it, it was, uh, it was too difficult to bother with. Is that, uh, that kind of your final determination with it or for now? I may I may come back okay. to it later, um, like I did with uh, another game on my list. Um, well, I put my, my last another game on my you, list that I put away. Yeah, go ahead. My last question for you then is: You mentioned how it's uh, you know it's won so many awards and it's very critically acclaimed, and you know you're doing a lot of work in film. I think of the Best Picture winner of the Oscars 2011, The Artist, and how that was so acclaimed at the time, and I still, I think it's a good movie, but it is really a, a a filmmaker's movie. Do you feel this is a gamer's game, or is this a game that's like everybody can play? It, ha- it has to be a gamer's game because, like, I guess I'm not a gamer because it just <laughs> it whooped my ass. You know, I was expecting something a little more, um, I don't, know, a little more accessible, something more like a Skyrim, which I played Skyrim mm. and loved it. It was just so deep and wide, and that's what I was hoping for going into Elden Ring. And maybe it is deep and wide, but as soon as you dip your toe in the water, a piranha bites it off. So it's like, fuck this, <laughs> you know. It's a wonderful metaphor. So, and maybe I just need to get better, you know. Wonderful metaphor, yeah. So I, I haven't played any of the Souls games. Are they all that difficult? Are they that? Are they is. Are they like this one, or is this one different from the other Dark Souls games? Uh, they're 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 difficult. I played, I rented, and I played Dark Souls three, and I got about halfway through it and gave up on it as well. Wow. But I just, it's they're just notoriously difficult. And I'm sure somebody will come at me saying I'm, you know, just need to get better or whatever. But um, no, I mean that's fine. that one's that I think that one is generally accepted that that game is too hard for a lot of people. Yeah. So. Nick, what's your what's your games that you're thinking of for 2022? Yeah, and I mean, you know, I don't know if we specified, but so the the idea that we had here was that we would be talking about just five games that we wanted to talk about from 2022. Not necessarily, you know, homebrew games like these could be homebrew games. They can be modern games or, uh, you know, from any platform, from any era. You're changing the rules. No, I didn't set those rules. I'm the host. I set the rules. well, you you deposed me as the host. I so did. Now I guess we have new rules. And now oh, you're okay. Just, so you're doing this apologetic, <laughs> like no, no. Well, I just because I was going to lead into it. So a game that I played that I got completely infatuated with is a shoot 'em up from the early 2000s. It's called Mushihime Sama, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with bullet hell shooters. I was never into these. I, I, you know, I've I've talked about before on the podcast that I've gotten really into shoot 'em ups lately, and I'm. It's caused me to go back through this entire uh, decades of shoot 'em ups that I've overlooked because I felt like the genre got so catered towards the people who are experts in this this genre, and they wanted more and more difficult games. And I felt like the whole shoot 'em up universe just went you know, it got so up its own ass that nobody else could play these games anymore and enjoy them. You know, it's just like, give me, give me just an old school shooter. That's what I wanted to play. But I've, I've gotten more and more into these, uh, shoot 'em ups and, and that I've overlooked over the years. And so there's a company called cave that developed a lot of shooters that are bullet hells. And I mean, bullet hell, you look at, look at some video of this game 
even just some screenshots, and you can barely make out the player or any of the enemies because the screen is so full of bullets, just like waves and waves of bullets. There are, like, if you play this game at, at one of the more advanced levels, like they have, there's actually a level of this game where you you can select the difficulty and a red warning screen comes up. And it's like, are you sure you want to do this to yourself? Nice. Okay. Nice. <laughs> and you jump into this, and there are literally, at some points, thousands of bullets on the screen. Thousands. Okay? Like, it is just, it is just, it's like a river of bullets. It, it, you know, and the thing is, is I started playing this game. I I saw it pitched as a good bullet hell for beginners. And I was like, I don't even know. That sounds like an oxymoron. I don't believe right. it. I found this game on sale on Steam for like six bucks. And I started playing it. And I got completely infatuated with it. It is a game where you are, all of the enemies are insects. So it's like, you know, the Darius games, everything is is like seafood. It's all fish and stuff like that. In this game, everything is an insect. It is a vertical scroller. So you're going up, you know, you're you're like scrolling up through the screen and you're shooting up. And you are... You are a, a the, the, the Mushihime-sama is a Japanese word. I think the literal translation is bug princess. So you are this adorable anime girl riding on the back of a, I think it's a rhinoceros beetle or something. And all of the enemies are bugs. And I got to tell you, I don't know what it is about this game, but the level design is so dead on. And it, it it's like... I'm having so much fun just weaving in between these just curtains of bullets. And I, I don't understand why I like it so much. But the thing is, is like I'm playing this game and I'm getting murdered, just absolutely murdered over and over again. And it won't get out of my head. As soon as I die, I start the game over and I just keep playing it again. And I'm just like, I gotta, I gotta one CC this game. I gotta complete it in one credit, you know? And I, I've I've seen other people in the shoot 'em up community, you know, I mean, these folks are like they talk they they remind me of like drug addicts. You know, the way they get into this stuff, it's just like these games are just pure dopamine hits. You know, it's just like a constant it's like it, there's a button in your brain that just says dopamine and these games just like mash it over and over again. And I've always kind of made fun of these people because I'm like they they seem like junkies or something, you know, and and I've talked before, one of my favorite YouTubers who does this is called Shmup Junkie, and he talks about taking a, a hit off the shooter crack pipe. I've got it, man. I've, I've Seriously, I feel like I got my first taste. I cannot put this game down. I keep coming back to it, and I keep getting murdered, and I cannot talk to people about it because I sound like such a fucking weirdo when I'm just talking about it. I love playing this game that is killing me with thousands and thousands of bullets. I don't know what's wrong with me. Mushihima-sama. It's on Switch. It's on Steam. It's on PlayStation. Get this game. It is fucking great. I can't stop playing it. What are you going to say, Connor? You're over there. <laughs> I am. Uh, I was just going to say that is a beautiful balance between masochism and adoration. I just love the way you've whole you just encapsulated that entire genre in in an entire review. <laughs> Well, and I've played bullet hells before. There's just something about this that just hits everything right. It is no, I think it, the levels it, are so well designed. It's just the thing. It's too easy to say like, "Oh, I just like hard games." But this is why I enjoy talking about video no, games. I, I don't think I do. No, no, but, but specifically, it's there are different kinds of difficulty, and there are different things yeah. that 
people enjoy the difficulty of. And when you're talking about curtains of bullets, it's just a wonderful visual image that I entirely (laughs) understand. And it's like, there is something like a ballet about how you dance around those bullets that becomes really interesting and really fun because it sounds the way you're putting it sounds like, Oh, I just like, it's really hard. And people who have not played those games, it sounds like it's very punishing, but I really believe that there are platformers and puzzle games that are much more punishing than shmups because the shmups have this really interesting kind of rhythm to them almost where you're like moving around and my failure when I play those games that I was never able to really capture that rhythm. I can capture the rhythm of puzzle games or of some other games more easily, but I love to watch that kind of rhythm. I love to observe people playing it. It feels really great as a spectator to see that kind of action. So I don't think that it's weird, but the the way you've kind of described it, <laughs> I think it encapsulates a lot of people's experience with those kind of games where you're you know, pushing forward to try and understand the game to try and get better. You're trying to get that one CC complete, but right, it's it's a challenge. It's really intense. It feels really stressful to try and do that sometimes. It totally does, but it's it's like I don't know. It's one of those things where it keeps knocking you down, and you just keep wanting to get back up and try it again. You know. I watched a video of a guy playing this game that you're talking about. Um, you should and, check out video with us. And I have, and it's amazing. And it also took me back to when I was a kid watching uh, watching a guy in my local arcade at the mall playing Galaga. And he was like so much further and such a higher <laughs> score than I ever got. And like there were things that I was seeing that I'd never seen before that I didn't know existed, you know, and it was just like the wonder I remember feeling as a kid watching, you know, an older teenager play Galaga and just like completely kick its ass. And and then watching somebody play this game, which I know that I would, uh, uh, I would not, (laughs) I would not make it very far. This game is not for everybody. Oh my God. Okay. I think I've got that feeling watching someone when I was a young teenager there was an older brother who played Goldeneye so well. And he oh, was able okay. to just like get around the corners and like snipe at all the enemies and things like that. And you're watching this person. Like, oh my God. It's just like, this is so incredible. The way he's moving around the way they're like, just, they understand the level and the balance of the weapons and things like that. And you're just like made aware of this like incredible skill set that you never even thought could be done. I think shmups mm-hmm. bring that to the fore in an amazing way. I'm really always excited to watch people play shmups at a really high level. Well, I haven't even talked about what I've played. Yeah, you got to talk about what you played. All right, what did I do? Let me click my notes here. Oh, I spent the whole year on this podcast talking about games that I wanted to play more. And so RIP my itch account. <laughs> but like... I was buying games like Graveyard Dude, which I've I've played some more. Uh, that was a, a Nesdev uh, demo. I bought the yeah, full game. Yeah, so you got the full version. Got the full version yeah, of that. cool. Like uh, all these kind of things we played. Um, uh, so I got the I got Eskimo Bob. Uh, Alfonso's Arctic Adventure was the game we reviewed. You know, so like I want to play the full Eskimo Bob. Yeah. We like there's all these little like extra things that I've got that I'm just like looking at and I'm like, oh yeah, I really want to play that. That'd be really good. But like, itch is 
it, it, it's 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 like people talk about Steam and how like Steam has sales and like there's games for the PC that you buy on Steam. But Itch is exactly that in my mind for Homebrew because everything you want to play, yeah. there's like an Itch account of somebody who's the developer. And not only do they have the game that they've released that you've heard about, there's like two or three other games they're kind of working on or because they'll release maybe beta versions on Itch. And you're like, yeah, I'll take that. And sometimes it's pay what you want. Sometimes you can just like download the ROM. Sometimes it's like made, you know, in the browser, you can actually go to the game page and just play it live. Dude, it's just like crack. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of itch, but it like, it, just like going to that website is a sign that I'm just going to be gone for two hours. <laughs> itch does these things too, where like they do charity sales a lot, where you can buy like a thousand games for $30. Holy shit. Yeah, I know. Like, they did one for Ukraine. They did one for COVID. And I got to tell you, like, <clears throat> I I usually get those. But it's just, it's crazy because now I own, like, 2,000 video games. And I don't even know what they are. And I don't know how many times I've been, like, you know, I hear about some game and I'm like, man, I got to go play this. And I'll look at it on Steam and I'm like, I'll wait for it to go on sale. And then I go back and I realize I already own this game. I bought it on Itch, like, three years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But... Yeah, all the time. Itch is itch is great. I think itch has really um, been uh, amazing for independent video game developers. So, especially homebrewers. Totally so. agree. All right. So, uh, Nick, let's go for you. Of the games that you were kind of thinking about, which one is like the most? I would say like on topic for what we're talking about today, which is like retro homebrew things i mean which which of your games is like the most like homebrewish well i have a couple of homebrews on here so one of them i wanted to to talk about that i i really i really loved but i i don't want to talk about it too much because i want to do it for a podcast episode probably coming up pretty soon is uh the machine so i tried a bunch of games for game boy when we were doing our um we were doing our hollow halloween episode i i auditioned a whole bunch of games that i thought might work I played the machine. I came across it. I didn't really know what it was. It is a sci-fi dark comedy. Okay. It is heavily inspired by things like Metropolis and other kind of dystopian science fiction. The idea is there is an entire civilization living inside of a giant machine that is, it's like, it looks like a, like a city on a, on treads. Okay. You think like tank treads, like an entire city with like thousands of people in it. And the idea of the game is you you follow the story of of a, a denizen of this machine, okay, this 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 city, and you go through all of these different story paths. And I want to tell you, I played this game for like three or four hours, and I got three or four endings, and I don't even feel like I have I've even gotten to like half of the the potential endings or or like the the different paths that you go through this game. It is mostly a top down adventure. You do advance through some um, some mini games, I, and it is it is an amazing game. It, I the decision tree here. I want to see, I want to see the decision tree for this game because it has got to take up an entire wall. It is unbelievable, like how many different courses you can you can take through this game. I don't want to talk any more about it because I want to do this for the podcast. But I am extremely excited about talking about it for the podcast. It's going to be a great episode. Sounds good. I want everybody to play this game. It is that good. So that's. I'm- that's a I'm that's so, a homebrew so on my list. I'm like I'm excited. This is uh, <laughs> so, you get off here. Yeah, go play it. Seriously, it is that good. Yeah, you can get it from Incubate Games. 
So it is, it's really good. Cool. Bart, out of you games you were playing, I mean, maybe, maybe uh, not, know, maybe, maybe, maybe not a homebrewish one, but one that you feel like really like got you thinking about how the game was made and got you thinking about like the ways that the game is like developed. Well, semi kind of homebrew. I mean, every one of my games is something that I play on the PS5. I want to talk about No Man's Sky because I bought the game the day that it came out, and I I played it on my PS4 a few years a few years back. Which I didn't didn't you get a PS4 just to play that game? I may have actually back okay. in like 2018. So that might be the reason I got the PS4. I can't I can't remember. So I got it, and like the first, I would say the first two hours of that game is some of the most fun I've ever had, ever playing a video game. Just the fact that you're marooned wow. on an island, and you're you like wake up, and there's a broken ship next to you, and you have to figure out it's a survival game, so you have to figure out how to repair the ship. Once you repair the ship, you can leave the planet. You can explore other planets in the solar system. You can leave the solar system, go to other solar. There's like something like 16 quadrillion different planets in this game. Like it's, it's quadrillion. A yeah. Quadrillion. It's <laughs> procedure. All of it's procedurally generated. And so they make this game, it comes out and after about two hours worth of play, it starts to feel really, really repetitive. So I kind of put it away and then they come out with an update later in 2016 that causes me to put it, put it back in the, the PS4 and it's it's a little bit better. I play the first hour and a half of the game again, and I start it starts to get a little repetitive. So I I back off of it again, and they keep putting out these new like these guys have been updating this game consistently since 2016. I think they're on like, I mean, there's got to be at least forever. 20 20 updates of this game, and each one of them is just adding major more updates. major updates, and it keeps adding huh. more and more and more stuff. Like, I think the the hype train for this game was off the charts when it came yeah, out. Yeah, I remember it was a game. huge scandal because it, it was nothing like what, right. what it was pitched. Now like, it is exactly like what it was pitched and more, wow. and it's fucking great. And if anybody has not played No Man's Sky, you owe it to yourself to try to, to give it a shot. I am going to purchase the PSVR 2 when it comes out in February Ooh. simply so I can play No Man's Sky in VR. I've been dying nice. to play this game in VR. Excuse me, this is not a VR podcast. Get, get that the hell out of here. It's also not a PS5 podcast, but here we are. But here some homebrew VR. Yeah, homebrew VR—that'd be great. So yeah, No Man's Sky, amazing. Yeah, Connor, what were you going to talk about? Oh, what? Oh, look, what do I want to talk about? Um, Candy Crush. I yeah, right, like Candy Crush. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, that's like games on my phone and stuff. I think that the the Phobos Dare stuff really captured my imagination. I was really into that, and I tried to like download more from that universe, the Absur universe. But I didn't realize there's actually three iPhone games. That that developers oh, made. Yeah, right. Didn't you beat one? I did. Yeah. So one of them is wow. a physics puzzler, and it's great. I really like it. It's short. It's snappy. It's got a great sense of humor. So there's Dare Dare Exe, Dare Evil Exe, and the one I played is called Puzzling Peaks. And so it's all in this kind of like Phobos Dare Absur universe. Ex the extended where universe. there's like yeah. 
yeah, there's like some kind, like there's a disclaimer when you start playing the game. Like, don't play it if you like are frustrated easily by cognitive tasks. Which is, um, <laughs> I knew that apps are like whatever you want to call it, like Dev House or whatever they are. Uh, I just knew they were totally my sense of humor, totally my kind of vibe. And their physics puzzler is just exactly that. It's like you really have to think about the the levels and the like controls really carefully. Like there's this part of the game where you're basically you, you tap the screen to rotate certain platforms. You go through a whole like world of levels of those like platforms rotating. And then the next world is some platforms rotate clockwise, some platforms rotate counterclockwise. And so you have to now like turn on your brain in two ways of like, okay, well, that one's going to turn that way and that one's going to turn this other way, but the gravity is forcing it to come down this way. And so it's just like, it's just right on that line of like super frustrating, super satisfying for puzzling that I just love. So yeah, that was like awesome. And it's just like another example for me of there's a really great like, world of games on phones i just like gotta call this out like because people feel like it's all candy crush and <laughs> you know like uh, pay for upgrades and like microtransactions and yes that is the majority of the games but there's so much more out there there's a huge amount of people who are doing indie games especially on android where they can just like make this whole new interface make a whole new world it's like you know, uh, possible for them to reach just a huge, I mean, you're literally talking like a billion people is the audience and it's like totally open to them. And I do think there's a lot of innovation there, but you do have to scratch deeper to find it. Like, it's just not going to be at the top of the charts. You know, it's not going to be easy to see. And no one's like, they're not paying for ads. They're going to pop up on your screen, but there's awesome games out there. So I just want to kind of give a shout out for like the homebrew Android iPhone <laughs> club as small and as uh, maybe overlooked as they are indie games on on mobile would you so did, did you like that one would you recommend it the uh, oh absolutely puzzling peaks was awesome yeah i mean i would i mean it would, let me see because it costs money right because this is the catch right if you're if you're gonna get one of these games you're like okay i don't want to be microtransactions then pay the developer. Like, I'm sorry, not sorry. Like, you're gonna have to like pay the developer. Well, and they're not. Games. Yeah, they, none of these games are that expensive. Like, what was it? Like three bucks. Dollar ninety nine right now. Dollar ninety nine. Yeah. So, like, I mean, it's. I always think to my head in my head, like, the value I get out of a cup of coffee is going to last right. me about forty five minutes max. If I get forty five minutes of value or fun out of this game, it is worth the price of a cup of coffee. And so that's like yeah. the equation I have. Well, that's why I don't blink an eye at, at dropping, you know, five or ten bucks on any of these homebrew games. I mean, it's like, you know, am I going to, yeah, am I going to get like an hour of value out of this? That's worth five dollars, you know. And then you don't get prompt. That's the wonderful thing about these games. Like you don't get these like pop-ups of like, you know, pay for 700 jelly beans so you can have this upgrade or whatever. Or like, yeah. pay for like episode two. Like, no, it's like, it's the game. I it's the whole like, thing. Yeah, You're not getting anything like upsold. Model. It's, yep. it's, yeah, exactly. It's the full game. You get it. No bullshit. That's it. No bullshit. I got, I got a couple of games on my phone that are like, every time you complete a level, it shows you like ads for two more games that do the same thing. Like every time you complete a level, you get yeah, to watch right. ads, whatever. So I figured out one time while I was playing on 
the airplane. And when I was in airplane mode, I wasn't getting any of the ads. So <laughs> now I just turn on the, when right. I play the game, I just put my, my phone in airplane mode and play <laughs> it that way. Nice little workaround. That's a cheat code. You have to actually watch out for that though. Cause like there was one game that I really liked that I think is a Sudoku game. And I was playing on the airplane a lot because it worked in airplane mode exactly like you want, you were describing. But the battery always ran really hot. It was always like really Weird. like running to the top. And then in my head, I was like, huh. they've probably got a cryptocurrency miner running in the background. Ah! Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Or something like that where they're like, but, but if that's the only it's connect <laughs> at <laughs> the end, they call you, game, you like, could be running that for miner. five hours. Okay, keep crypto Sudoku or something. Crypto Sudoku. Yeah, but they it, it only needs to connect like once at the end of five hours of gameplay, and then it'll just like blip sending messages back to the head office or whatever. And I mean, that's I guess that's one way they can afford to play the game to to make the games, which is okay. That's that. But that's like, very interesting. It, it kind of hurts my battery, and then therefore shortens the life of my phone. So I'm kind of like, mm, I would just pay you two dollars, dude. I would just pay uh, yeah, for the right. game. But the problem is they want me to pay twelve ninety nine a month, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that's kind of silly. Wait for what? Some of these games Whole are like you know, yeah. remove the ads for twelve ninety nine. It's like ridiculous how much it's. I think they yeah. want the crypto miner running in the background so they can mine thirty five thousand pseudo coins. Well, they're not worth pseudo anything coins. anymore. So. <laughs> pseudo hey. coins. Pseudo coins. Exactly. They're pseudo coins. All right, um, let's see. Wait, I'm not the host on this one. Somebody else. Oh, am I supposed to be the host? Should, okay. So that was my one. We should say we we actually. So as we were recording, uh, we had some major. I had some major computer computer issues. So we we cut the recording, and we are now we're recording the second half of this episode, like uh, two days later. So we have actually forgot. Who is hosting the podcast? <laughs> so, <laughs> and and I just I just switched back on to my podcast host voice. Here we are. <laughs> you got to channel your you got to channel your uh, Dublin tour guide voice. Did you have a Dublin tour guide voice? This castle is over eight hundred years. Oh no! Um, let's go <laughs> to Bart. Bart, you talked about yeah. Open Ring and No Man's Sky. What else was going on in twenty twenty two? What else were we playing? What else were we thinking about? What else caught your eye? So, uh, back when it first came out, I bought Cyberpunk 2077, and this game was riddled with problems when it first I came mean, out. I mean, may, may I say, to, to interject, infamous game of the year. Yeah, oh, totally. So, what I, whenever I bought it, I bought it like day one, and I, I, I got it. And I was got getting all these emails for like registering on day one, and, and when all the problems started happening, I got this roadmap. They were like, here's here's our plan. We plan to upgrade this on this date. We plan to do this on this date. We plan to do this on this date and look for the, the PS5 free upgrade sometime in 2022. So honestly, I uninstalled it from my PS4 and I just took it and I put it on my shelf for like over a year. And I got a PS5 like a year and a half ago and... I just kind of kept checking to see when that PS5 upgrade was available. And when it finally was, which would have been like, I think, mid-summer, maybe April, something like that, uh, I downloaded it and I played it. And, you know, I've, I've probably got about 10 hours into the game. And holy shit, 
it is a it's a good game. I am I am digging the hell out of it. I, the first time that I tried playing through it, I started differently. Like there's there's three paths you can take at the beginning. You know, you can either be like a I don't re- I don't even remember what it is like a corporate person or a street urchin or like a mountain person. This is how little I've actually played this. I don't know what they're actually called. But <laughs> <laughs> the first time I did it as like a, a person from the streets. So you start off in the city, and you know that's where the story starts this next this last time i did it on the ps5 i started out you like start out in the middle of the desert and you're like trying to fix your car and so like it's a completely different beginning but the stories do merge about an hour into the game and then so it what i want to know the, the yeah. most important question i have did you get to play as keanu reeves not yet i i just as far as i got i just met keanu reeves's character and he's like he's kind of a a phantom in your implant oh kind of shows up and starts talking to you so i'm just getting to that point where keanu reeves has shown up and it's uh it's really weird (laughs) having a a movie star in a in a video game you know that's that's um that's a new one for me does it kind of like take you out of the you know, like moments take you out of the, the fantasy or whatever of this, like, you know, cyberpunk world. You know, if it wasn't a cyberpunk game, cause it's, it's too damn close to the matrix. You yeah, know what I mean? Maybe, yeah. So that might be the only, if it, you know, if it was anybody other than Keanu Reeves, maybe, cause now I'm like, Oh sweet. Mm. We're playing a matrix game, you know, but that's, that's my only gripe with it. But uh, other than that, man, Keanu Reeves is awesome. I got nothing negative to say about that. Right. And then the only other thing was, I mean, just from reading like, you know, releases about it and, you know, people talking about it on Twitter, it seems like there was a lot of bugs in the game. Oh yeah. A lot of bugs. A lot. (laughs) So like, first of all, like did that affect your opinion of the game? And then also like kind of more broadly, how do we feel about games that have, you know, flaws in them, whether it's graphically or whatever, like, do we feel like that? really takes away from the game or is there ways that the game can still shine through it's it's funny that you say it that way because two of my games that i've talked about now have released almost like incomplete you know i was gonna say i'm kind of sensing a theme here yeah the hype train was so high both of these games gold right both of these games the hype train was so high and then when they were released they were almost like an incomplete game so when i was playing it the first time it was it was super buggy. Like it would crash. Like you'd get on an elevator and it would crash. Or you'd get in your car and the ga- the game would crash. Or uh, you know you try shooting somebody and the bullets would just go right through them. It, it was just really, it was terrible actually. But whenever I started reading about CD Projekt Red and them like trying to make it right and they had this huge roadmap, I just I put it away and I didn't think about it for a year and a half. And now when I played it again, it's like fresh start. All that shit from before, I just figure I'll just pretend like I was beta testing it, <laughs> you know. So um, yeah. you know, it's it's feeling good now. But man, this whole like releasing shit when it's not done, like take your time. If it if it takes another year, take another year. I would rather wait another year and get a complete game than you know get an incomplete piece of shit this year. It's like, yeah. and which is also another reason why I'm I don't think I'm ever going to pre order a game again. Um, yeah. I think I'm just going to like wait till the game comes out like this new game coming out for ps5 forespoken that looks amazing but i'm gonna wait like at least yeah. a month after it comes out to to just to read some reviews and see how it actually plays because you know that just i'm not gonna get caught with that again 
Nick? Yeah. Uh, yeah, think... I do, yeah, I just want to say, how do I feel about... Um, sorry, I was just posting to the Discord. Uh, how do I feel about games? <laughs> excuse me, excuse me. I want you to be 100% present here, okay? Just because yeah, I'm yeah, the host yeah. doesn't mean you just, like, wander off into dreamland here. Hold on, let's let's find the post that he just put up so everybody can know what he just posted. <laughs> it's self-promotion, man. Yeah. we got to promote. I, I don't mind to record a little bonus for you all. I am so bad at this. I am so bad at self-promotion. Yeah. Yep, there it is in the general tab, folks. If you want to know exactly when we recorded this, <laughs> you're hearing yeah. this in real time. Holy crap! I don't understand podcasts. Who there's one called uh, I like to listen to called Lost Lost Joystick Network, and these guys are out of uh, I think Flint, Michigan, and they have mm. set up a recording studio like in a downtown like office building, like it's just a full on podcasting live stream studio. And they they bring on like special guests and stuff. They always have like call in and they record the whole fucking thing and broadcast it in real time. That's awesome. I can't do that. I would just the amount of pressure. I mean, like how much crap do I edit out of these podcasts? Well, we did do I mean, that. We did do a live stream, right? We had, I mean, we've done live streams, but like to do that every time, I, I don't know. Sure. I mean, because okay. we sit here, we're going off on tangents and, you know, we're saying like really stuff that we get is canceled and all kinds of horrible opinions that we throw yeah. out there and I mean, yeah, people yeah, don't yeah. know the kind of crap I cut out of these podcasts. All oh, right, man. Right. If you want to hear it, you can pay money to hear it. <laughs> can you? <laughs> you also have yeah, I mean, I'm sure eventually we'll, we'll set up what, a what Patreon. <laughs> you know, I don't, I've don't. i thought about doing the Patreon because I was talking about you guys. Uh, so I think it costs me to just to uh, produce the podcast. I think it costs about $280 a year. Uh, and I pay that out of pocket. Yeah, you were mentioning. No, but that, that's between Zencaster and Ophonic and um, what else is it? it? So the domain that we, you know, we have homebrewgameclub.com. That's 280. I don't even, I'm not even including like the, the uh, uh, you know, the editing software or anything like that. But then you think, then I started thinking about it. And like, I, you've got also got like promotional stuff, like, you know, sending out people pint glasses because they won some stupid contest for Twitter, right? As Twitter is imploding and awesome contest. Yeah, well, it's a great contest. I mean, they I think they're great pint glasses and everything, but you know, great pint glasses. But still, it's like, you know, it it does add up. And the thing that the reason I haven't launched a Patreon is because uh, I just, you know, there'll be like a couple of months that'll go by, and I, you know, I, I guess I think the longest we've gone without posting any media might be like six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. But it's like. You know, if I'm going to, if people are going to sign up for like a monthly subscription or something, I, I want to be able to put out content every month. And the fact is, I'm just, I'm so damn busy right now. You know, I just, it's, it's going to happen where there's going to be a month or two where I, I'm just not going to have time to publish anything. And I, I don't know, maybe people don't care, you know, because we did put out, I think it was like, what did I count? Like 17 pieces, 18 pieces of media last year. So, you know, that's not a bad pace. No, uh, that's more than one one chunk of podcast audio a month. So you could also do something like stay tuned uh, for the other half of this show uh, coming up in two weeks. You know? <laughs> yeah, just right. Split it in. Just two. split it up. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we record enough audio that we mm-hmm. we could do something like that. I, I just I don't know. Um, maybe I'll leave this in the podcast and people can just tell me, like, what do you think about uh, Patreon for, you know, under circumstances like this? Because I, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I'm on the fence about it. I, I just, I hate, I hate charging people money for, you know, a thing that is just basically me fucking around with my friends. But, you know, it, do, it does take up a lot of time, a lot yeah. of time. 
Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of money, you know, relatively speaking. So that's not even, cause I mean, I would be buying the games anyway, but like sometimes I, I do spend additional money on games. I, I might not buy if I weren't going to podcast about them. So, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's just to cover the costs of producing the podcast. I think that's, I would be happy with that, you know? And if we have a little extra, I could put it towards things like a real website, you know, so we don't have a link tree. We have like an actual like website because that costs money. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I kind of like to have like a blog or something. I mean, if I, you know, if I had a blog, I would, I feel like I would post there occasionally and we could invite other people to post. I don't care, you know, but I don't know, just some ideas to toss around. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I Maybe we'll do a Patreon. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think, <laughs> just, I, I don't know. It, it's not so much about like, making more money it's more just the fact that like i suppose this is kind of done with the discord it's like it just i see like people make a community around patreon right like they kind of make a kind of a like place where people can request more things or they can like ask for it and because they have kind of skin in the game it's more like they feel like it, it feels like they're more involved in it um it's like they're a, like they're an investor i own no, a piece of this podcast right. well, this is what i pay for right well then, no maybe then that's the indicator that's not the right direction to go i don't know right. well i don't know i don't i know it's not an investor because what, what are you getting out of it you're getting entertainment right you're just paying for entertainment. this is like we're talking about you buy these games you know i, I would give you two dollars for an hour of enjoyment of my time or whatever on on the mobile phone so maybe people will give us two dollars for an hour of enjoyment a month out of a podcast you know but i i don't know i just i have mixed feelings about it i do i i'm a patron of several podcasts uh that i really like and i have no hesitation even if they don't put something out every month because i just really like their stuff and i want to see more of it you know so maybe it's it's not a big deal so here, Nick, what's your next uh, what's your next game on the list? What do you want to mention? What's my next game on my list? Yeah, so I guess I'll go to Baba Is You. I played this one over Christmas. I've, I've played it before in the past on my computer, and I really liked it. But I my kids got me this for Christmas, uh, and so we threw it on the Switch. Baba Is You is a game. Have you guys heard of this? Yes. It is a very unusual game. It is a puzzle game, and it is built around mechanics that I would call similar to like basic programming language. So you look at the screen and it, it's a single screen puzzle, right? And so you, you know, Baba is you, you are a little sheep character, usually not always, but you, your character is a little sheep and, and you have to get to the flag to win the level. Now, the thing is, is that, that that's not always true because what what's interesting about this game is that on screen the rules of the level are on the screen so you say baba is you okay flag is win which means if you get the flag you win and then there will be things like wall is stop so you can't go through the wall rock is push so you can push the rocks around all right the thing is you can usually change these rules so you can actually you know, it's you think of a top-down block-pushing puzzle game, like a like a Sokoban-style game, but you can actually push the rules around. So, you know, maybe you push around where it says rock is push. Maybe you push that out of the way and you say wall is push, and suddenly you can push the walls around. Or maybe you say rock is win. You know, instead of the flag is win, you push the win around, and, and now rock is win. And now if you touch any of the rocks, you win the level. You know, or 
you can even do crazy stuff. Like you can say like wall, uh, Baba is you and wall, you know, and the next thing you know, you're the wall and you, all of the walls in the entire level start moving around with you. <laughs> it's just, it's really cool and fun. And I started playing this, like, I really liked it by myself, but it's a hard, it's a hard game. It's very difficult. It, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's a logic puzzle. It's like programmer logic turned into a puzzle, you know, but, um, I started playing it with my kids and my kids were so into this because it has this extremely cartoony, you know, very friendly kind of vibe. It's really fun. And my son, it likes Sean the sheep. So he loves cartoon sheep. And we're, you know, we start playing this and everybody in the room, even, even my, even my like four-year-old is like getting into it. And, you know, just the idea that you can change the rules, you know, if you don't like the rules, you can just change them. Like the kids totally get off on that, you know? Mm. So like we're, we're, we're playing and it's like, well, what if we just change, you know, I mean, my, my, my son or my daughter are just like, well, what if we change this rule? You know, and, and you get like this kind of thrill out of it when it does something especially weird, you know, and it's like, that's not supposed to be happening. Like, yeah. I, I can do whatever I want. I can bend the rules, you know, and that it, sounds really yeah, cool. So, you, know what, you know what that actually reminds me of weirdly? Because again, like, it's like that imaginative, like totally like you can make your own rules. Do you remember there was yeah. that game called Scribble Knots? Mm. <laughs> right. Yeah. I heard that's a really good game for kids, too. I, I played so that a little fun. bit by myself. But yeah, it's it's really you can, it's not a good game for yourself. <laughs> so you can you can yeah, but you can like you can kind of draw or like type in. It was on the Nintendo DS, the one I remember. And you can ask for certain things to be summoned. But you can ask for pretty much anything. Like you right. can ask for a T Rex. Oh, scribble knots. You, you know, maybe for, I was thinking of a different game. Um, yeah. Snipper clips is what I was thinking of. No, I heard oh, about okay. scribble knots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can you you can like it, it, the fun is in finding the most crazy way to achieve the objective which is usually like grab a flag or get a star or something like that and it just like it strikes me as the same kind of spirit like i'm looking at a screenshot of the game and there's this part of it where it says rose is red violet is blue flag is win baba is you and i feel like that's probably (laughs) (laughs) capturing a lot of the spirit of the game so yeah that's that sounds pretty cool that sounds pretty awesome yeah so i recommend that one it's a lot of fun you know i got it uh I mean, you can get it. I, 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 did you know, I actually, this is another one of these games that I I was like, man, I really want to play that. And I, I kicked around buying it on Steam forever. And I realized I bought it in one of these fucking bundles off of Itch. <laughs> Years ago, I already owned the goddamn game. And I went in there and I, yeah, so I started playing it. I was like, all right, this is fun and weird. I like it. And yeah, so you can get it on Itch. You know, you can get it on any platform now. So yeah, it's on the uh, Apple App Store right now for seven bucks. So really, yeah, Fangamer put out a really nice Switch physical of this, and that's where I got it. So for Christmas, but yeah, you don't need to spend that much on it. So cool, good game. Let's no, Nick. Let's go on. You you are the gaming monster. Uh, let's hear another <laughs> yeah. one of your choices for the year, because yeah, you were playing way too many video games, which kind of makes up for the fact that Bart and I were maybe not playing enough video games. Maybe you, maybe that's the problem. Maybe the problem is not that I play too many video games. It's that you guys need to step it up. That's, that's it. What that's it what it is, really. We're just, we are not competing at your level. We don't reach the, the, the dizzying you, you, heights. Yeah, you, I, this is the, what do you call it? The Sigma grind set of, yes. <laughs> of gaming hobbyists. Open your diary. Yeah, Wake right. up, 5 a.m. Yeah. First thing I do, turn on the NES. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
Second thing I do, 500 push-ups. Yeah. <laughs> and then go back to playing the NES, right? Yeah. Well, okay, so, yeah, I got the another game I got for Christmas, and I, you know, it's one of these things where, like, you get stuff for yourself, and then, like, you let the kids give it to you and, and pretend that they had something to do with picking it out. Classic. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, I got uh, I got Dawn of the Monsters. It was a, a limited run games release, and this showed up a few months ago. And I was I was like, okay, that's going to be a good one to play like with my son. And so I was like, I'm going to save that one, and the kids can get me that for Christmas, right? And it was really hard because I really wanted to play this game. It looked really good, so it was sitting on my shelf in a package for like four months. And I was like, God, just I, I kind of want to play that game, but I really should save it. So I did. I sat on it. I saved it. And uh, my kids got it for me. And I got to tell you, like, my son especially was was extremely interested in it. It is a beat-em-up, okay? It is just a plain old belt-scrolling beat-em-up game. And you are, uh, it's a kaiju game. So it's a game where you're stomping around as giant monsters and you're fighting other giant monsters. And everybody moves kind of slow and hits really hard. And you're picking up buildings and like throwing them at each other. And I, I have played a lot of games like this over the years, going all the way back to NES and and Godzilla on that that very weird Godzilla game on on the NES. And you know, I I think I think it's uh, it's hard. It seems like it's really hard to do well, you know, because if, if you think I mean, you've got fighting games where everybody is a slow, powerful character, and you know, it's it, like that's not usually fun. Right. Right. But uh, you need need that balance of different types and whatever. Right. This game handles it really well. I think better than any kind of kaiju sort of beat em up that I've ever played. And I super got into it. Like it's it's got a really good it's got a really interesting uh, manga style story. The the uh, fighting mechanics after I've I've kind of gotten used to them. I, I really enjoy them. And. I don't know. It's good. It's really good. It's got a great art style too, and it's it has this this soundtrack that it's just constantly like this menacing music, and it's like you really do get the sense that you're like some gigantic character, and you're just you're just beating the shit out of other gigantic gigantic characters. And I mean, I don't know. It's it's. I think that's a really hard thing to pull off. You know, where, oh, totally. where everybody has to oh, give yeah. this sense that everything is like Titanic, especially when you're like playing on Switch handheld or something. You, know, <laughs> and you got a little screen. I saw you the might... trailer for this. It felt like like if Rampage was a beat em up, you know, because you can like destroy the, the. It's a lot better than Rampage. Well, yeah, yeah. but you can destroy the like the, the everything basically, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the the buildings and stuff become just part of the the set. Like, they, mm-hmm. you know, it's like if you're playing uh, Streets of Rage and you, like, pick up a trash can and throw it. Well, here, it's yeah. instead of a trash can, it's a building, you know. Ah. But it's it was done by WayForward, very competent, you know, uh, developer. And I, I just really well done. I, I think it's really well done. I'd honestly, like, I, I think the beat-em-up mechanics here are better than, like, in, you know, if you're going to compare WayForward, I think they're better than maybe than River City Girls. Which is a really fun one, right. but I I don't know if I love it as a beat 'em up. Uh, I like it. I think this one might be a, a slightly better beat 'em up, you know. And it does it has all the faults of the genre, like it does get repetitive. But sure. you know, you can you just take a break. You know, it's a it's a long game. It's a really long game. Mm. And I found that um, 
you get you get rankings in the levels, you know, like uh, S through F or whatever. And I did find I ended up going back and playing levels again. I'm trying to get like S rank and everything. So it's it's fun. I'm get, I'm into it. Yeah, you know. Well, the visual style yeah. looks pretty distinctive too. I mean, it looks like pretty even though it's like you say it's like kaiju, which is could be yeah, like, it's got just very great artwork, whatever. great artwork. But yeah, it looks yeah. really unique. You know, and I think that's a big thing about those kinds of beat 'em up games where in order for you to come back, whether it's like River City Girls or whatever, like you kind of have to enjoy watching the characters move around and like get some entertainment from that. Like, cause you feel like you're kind of like you are the character and you want to feel like it's kind of cool. Yeah. And even think about that with, you know, as it goes to like, it's just something going back to what you were saying about, I'm going to say this wrong. Mushihimesa. Mushihimesama. Mushihimesa. So going back to what you, you said about Mushihimi-sama. I think they, most people <laughs> just call it Mushi. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were saying about Mushihimi-sama. That's like, you look at that game and you're like, oh my God, how do I play that? Whereas a lot of these games, you look at it and you're like, oh my God, I really want to be that character. I want to like, right. you know, embody that like sense of being a giant. And then if you get that sense of scale as well, if it feels like you've got these big weighty actions, it just feels cool. Like, I, you know, that's like, it's hard to quantify that, but like, when people get it right, it's so good. Yeah, and it's, you know, it, it is a really delicate balance because even the fast characters, like quote, unquote, fast characters are slow because they're gigantic, right? So, right, yeah, it, it's, it, it becomes, you know, the, the, the beat-em-up mechanics become more about timing than anything. You know, you got to time those really slow punches and slow attacks. Yeah. No, it really, it, I was actually just recently re-watching some bits of Pacific Rim like just some clips. Yes, and this is very inspired by Pacific Rim, right? Right, but it like that movie gets it so right on so many of those kind of points where like all of the hits just feel so solid and they just feel so like heavy. It's just like oof, like you just it's like the bass or something. Like you just feel like oh my god, this is the end of the world. And so yeah, yeah. Compared to I don't know, just other random robot movies or whatever where it's like it feels less meaty yeah i feel it's the same thing there's plenty of games where like you play as a massive robot and you're just like zip 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 zip, zip and yeah. it's like I, I don't feel like i'm a huge thing at all this game could have with a few plot tweaks could have been like a, a licensed pacific rim game you know maybe, i wouldn't be surprised maybe that's maybe where it started, started doing it maybe maybe <laughs> yeah, this is funny because bart bart and i had a yeah. thread going on facebook for literally 10 years we, we would just have a conversation back and forth with each other about whether or not pacific rim was good <laughs> see i started talking and, and he commented on it like two years later and i'm like what are you doing commenting on a comment from two years ago <laughs> and he's like oh I, yeah i because i had said something about pacific something and he goes have you seen pacific rim and i'm like no so i was like i said tell you what i'll watch it and i'll tell you in two years <laughs> and he's like, okay. So I, I I put a bookmark in my browser and I'm like, you know, click on this in two years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and sure enough, I was going through my bookmarks and I was like, what the fuck is this? And I clicked on it and it was like two years later and it was like, oh, I remember that. You know, so, so we, yeah, we kept that going for about 10 years and then he got off of Facebook. So, but <laughs> yeah. No, I did finally watch Pacific. I watched it with my son and I mean, it, I like it. It's, it's stupid. I love but Pacific it's I really like oh, that yeah. movie. I'll, Did I'll you see it. Pacific Rim 2? I deliberately I have not. chose not to look at that movie. 
Um, I deliberately decided to make the Pacific Rim universe end after Guillermo del Toro decided that it was going to end. And so that's, that's, amazing. that's good enough for me. Good, good choice. Oh, it's not good. I did the same thing with the, uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moving on. I'll, t- I'll tell you in two years. <laughs> there you go. Let's pick this up too. We'll just randomly on the podcast start. We'll just pick right. up exactly where the conversation left off. Yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. Bart, come on. What else have you been playing? I've been playing Fortnite. I said it I on the first episode. Fortnite. Um, yeah. Well, you know, here's the say, thing. We just got to. No, no, no. I've got to, I got to set the stage here because I think this is just something we got to, we got to clear the air on. You like Fortnite there's no, a lot. There's no, you gotta, yeah, there's no you, clearing you, you really the air. Like Fortnite. <laughs> no, no, I no. This is this is a controversy just brewing like a storm. <laughs> it's coming. Oh Jesus! Over no. the mountains and it's ready to strike. What is well, your here, obsession? Here's the with thing. This game? <laughs> my obsession with this game is it is a way for me to socialize with my friends that do not live in the same city as me. I mean, hell, Connor, you you and I played for a good while until Apple so booted you. Um, Apple kicked you know, me out, and, and I was and so pissed. I Nick, was, Nick I came in and was, played also. You know, yeah, was I was there. I mean, like, I for a little bit, and I yeah. had the same thing happen. Like, I would have kept playing with you guys, but the friggin' uh, I can't play on my Mac anymore. Yeah. Yep. So that's the thing is, I have I have friends that live in Los Angeles and friends that live over an hour away, and we get together, and another friend that lives up in Minneapolis, you know, and we will get on and play two to three nights a week for an hour or two. And it's honestly, it's a way to socialize with my buddies. And occasionally I will play a solo match, but like, if you were to look at my stats, I think I've played maybe like a thousand squads matches, but only like 75 solo matches because I I never play it by myself. It is, it is a way for me to hang out with my friends. Now, that being said, we, we did try to do it with like call of duty, modern warfare or not whatever the call of duty, whatever the battle Royale they dropped uh, about a year ago, but that's just full of toxic players (laughs) and just, they're so much better than, than we were. (laughs) So we just decided to stick with Fortnite and let the 12 year olds kill us. So the thing about that is they do work at keeping the game fresh. They do updates all the time. Well, this is new seasons, new, new maps, new, whatever. But the biggest thing for me and the whole reason I wanted to even talk about Fortnite was that Epic games, owns Unreal Engine, and the new chapter of Fortnite that just came out, Chapter 4, is running on Unreal Engine 5.1. And it is... uh, Playing it on the PS5 is some of the most stunning graphics I have ever seen on any video game ever. Hmm. Like, the lighting effects, the particle effects, the fire effects. Uh, It's it's unbelievable. And to be on a game that's as... (laughs) <laughs> lowbrow i guess as Fortnite is crazy but like when you're standing there and the sun is setting and a, a <laughs> you've just thrown and caught a house on fire and it's like burning and like the sun is shining through the smoke <laughs> and it's it's crazy how good it looks and i'm just like right. i cannot believe this is in Fortnite. you know well i wanted to talk to you about that because i think Fortnite is a really interesting game because yes i i will also admit i played Fortnite. i was there yeah. and the pandemic turned me onto it because I couldn't really leave my house and I wanted to socialize. And right, Fortnite yeah. was a pretty good like way to supplement what you would have as a parasocial like relationship, whatever. Like you just right. talk to people online 
but it's never quite as good over a Zoom call. I think we all figured that out. Like being like just on Zoom calls with like 20 people is not going to work. But for some reason, Fortnite really clicked and it was really fun because maybe there's an activity or whatever. But when I was playing Fortnite with you, that was chapter two, season mm-hmm. whatever, right? So like the game has changed significantly since then. I mean, you're just talking about this massive graphics upgrade. Yeah. I mean, with the exception of it being a particularly like Fortnite IP, are you would you say it's even the same game that we played in 2020 or is it like significantly different now? No, no, it's it's exactly the same game. That's that's the brilliance of it huh. is that it does change in small enough ways to where it is still the same game. Because even while you and I were playing, there were seasons where you know it was very explosives heavy like we would play high explosives games all the time and then all of a sudden they pull all the explosives out and it's only snipers it's still the same game but it's just you got a different strat and that's kind of the way it is now like right now there are no like big bullet snipers in the game right there's no really good shotguns (laughs) you know there are shotguns in the game but so it's so I, I believe what you're saying. I, I understand what you're saying, but here's my here's my real question that I wanted to lead to, which is a big part of what we do with the games that we play on this podcast is that there is a single defining version of that game. And you play that version of the game, whether it's been like, you know, the latest version, like the last version is updated. Twenty years from now, some kid who got you know, cut their teeth in gaming on Fortnite, they want to go back and they want to play Fortnite. They want to get that retro vibe and like Mm. Buy a PS5. And, and yeah, it's impossible. It's is that well, even if it was, let's pretend it was possible, right? Let's just say for argument's sake, they could get it. What version of Fortnite would be the like retro version, quote unquote, oh, of the Fortnite? definitive version? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It it, it really depends. I think it depends on when you started playing. Like I started playing the damn thing in season two, which was like three months after it came out. Um, so to me, the definitive version is that old school season two where there wasn't any POIs on the map. It was just a bunch of woods and, you know, and everybody was running around wondering what the hell a battle Royale game was. Now I feel like eventually Fortnite's going to run its course. Like everything does, they're going to stop making the money that they were making. And the way that you will find out that that is happening is that I'm pretty sure Epic games will say, Hey, guess what? Now you have the ability to play chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. You can have all the maps that you want, you know, and it's just once they start giving you all the stuff that you want, uh, that to me, it's the last, it's the last gasp. if If you're getting what you want, then the game is already dead. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like I think it's true. Like as of right right now, we're at the the whim of Epic Games and what they want to do. Like what what the loot pool is, what the map looks like. Sure, you know we just we played that chapter two map for like two years. Oh yeah, like and the credit to them, they they've balanced it so well. They've they've kept that balance all the way through. And I I have to say, something that is incredible for a game company. After you stopped playing, the they started doing like little changes to the map. Like they'd have like these UFOs came in and they crashed, and then there was like UFO crash sites, and like eventually the map got really cluttered, and it was just like you could tell that Epic was like, okay, it's time to do a hard reset. Mm-hmm. So they bring out the chapter three map, and that only went for four seasons, 
you know, which was, it, it was almost a year to the day was how long the chapter three map lasted. And whereas the other one lasted for two years. So who knows how long this chapter four map is going to last. Maybe it'll last two seasons and then they'll do something else. But you know, you, you can, I think you'll be able to tell when the, the golden goose stops laying a lot yeah. of golden eggs, cause they'll kill it by doing what I, what I just said. And then maybe some kid who's, you know, 12 years old now when he's 30, he'd be like, Oh yeah, Fortnite. I can, I can download that on the PS5 and <laughs> it's all bot, bot lobbies, you know, right, maybe, maybe lobbies. it won't be people playing, but you can, you know, right. put a hundred bots in a lobby and play against that. It'll, it'll, it'll scratch the itch. I think. I don't yeah, know. I mean, there's, a, there's still there's still people playing Quake on the original version. So I mean, you yeah. can still load up Quake and play that original version from the '90s. Yeah, as long as it keeps supporting it. Yeah, I'm sure somebody will come up with some way to you know simulate it. You know, in a in a reasonably you know acceptable way. But I mean, this is an ongoing conversation about, especially with these multi multiplayer online games. Or the mobile games. You were talking about mobile games earlier. It's like, you know, digital preservationists yeah, have been having thinking. ongoing conversations about, you know, what happens to these games. Because it's like, I can pull down a cartridge from, you know, the Atari or something. And, you know, that's the definitive version of that game. Yeah, but, I mean, very like, these games don't... clear, like, item. <clears throat> like, you can hold it in your hands. Like, that's what it is. Tangible. Yeah. Whereas, like, uh, you know, you think about mobile games that are immensely popular... But, like, I've got mobile games that I remember playing on my iPhone, you know, 12 years ago when I got an iPhone. And they were great. And I have no idea how to play any of those games now. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just yeah. lost. They're just lost to techno- technological, you know, black yeah. hole. Like the app gets upgraded, or the, sorry, the iOS gets upgraded, or the Android OS gets upgraded, and then it's no longer compatible. Right. And the game, you know, the game developers have moved on and you can't play the game anymore. And so it's like you can't. Yeah, the game is maybe you can still even find it on the Apple Store, but you can't download it like or you can oh, yeah. download it. It doesn't work on your phone anymore. The, you know? the biggest one of that for me and the one that I know has been talked about a lot by digital preservationists is Flash because Adobe. Right. Yeah. Like that. yeah. We're done. Flash is over. And that was such an incredible source of indie development. I mean. The the people who made Flash, whatever you want to call it, like content, right? Whether it was games, whether it was like Flash movies, whether it was like, you know, just experimental websites, whatever. They went into every other area of media and revolutionized it. Like just animation, film, you know, yeah. like post-production, gaming. These The people who cut their teeth in Adobe Flash or Macromedia Flash, as it was even before that, they oh, yeah, that's when I started using it, right. And, like, it's now, like, I mean, yes, there's, like, emulators and stuff, but, like, it, it's effectively dead. And when you look at, even, like, as a somebody who does, like, some coding and stuff, the environment that they made that you could, like, create in, it's superior to so many tools that are out here today. Yeah. That it enabled people to do things and get people involved that, like maybe never would have gotten involved in tech today. Oh, God. You want to talk about lowering the bar? Let me tell you something. I made a game on it. All right? right. The only game I've ever made, I made on Macromedia Flash. Okay? Yeah. And I, yeah, yeah, I was a, um, Bart, did you ever play that one? Which one was it? Farm Defender. No. Oh, man. Well, I'm going to have to find yeah, it now. Yeah. Gonna... <laughs> uh, well, I don't know how to, like, I don't know how to, like, pull it up or i don't know how to save it like i have all the original files someplace but 
I don't know what you to do with them. Me, I've, I've still got machines that are literally like I, I have a, a, oh, a laptop God. here I'd that have to I've not all updated. Up. Yeah, so that I can. can we, use well, because it was I made it. It was it was, it was a Macro Media Flash in like 2004. I think is what I made yeah. that game. Oh, it'll work. So. It's that's the beauty of it. It was it, one of the reasons Adobe decided to cut it was because the the, the, the what you'd call the virtual machine, the thing within which it ran. It, yeah. it had to be backward compatible with all of those older versions. Oh, um, and so you can take one of those like flash files or SWF files or whatever, and you can run it. Um, but you need to have like a version of Flash. And the reason they cut it, by the way, is as far as I understand, they just never figured out how to make it work on mobile. It was always too energy intensive oh. to work on mobile. Sure, um, right. And so that's like and that's part of the great show. Because originally you could open an Android phone, go to any Flash website and and play Flash games. That was like one of the big selling right. points of Android. Yeah. But yeah, I just wanna I kinda wanna call this up on the podcast because as we're talking about games that are modern, which I think is still super relevant, I think it's important to look at it through that lens of preservationists and people who are like thinking about is this gonna inspire future development or like what does you know the indie development of today can like if you release on Steam? I want to make sure that's you know it's a really good game like Baba is you or whatever. Like but that game should still be preserved in some way, right? We should find a way to make sure that it's like kept. And I just yeah, I'm just like Batman. hyper aware of it because of this podcast. Like I'm I'm thinking about it a lot more because I'm like holding these like cartridges like. Like right here, Solar Jet Man. I got it right in front of me. You know, look at that. Like, that's yeah. a beautiful copy of that game. Right? And I'm just like, right. it, it's just like it's literally staring at me every time I sit down here, and I'm like, wow, that's that like that is just so rare now that you can hold that in your hand. Yeah. On that same note, the shockwave or the flash stuff just happened to be looking at the uh, Homestar Runner wiki page. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> January thirteenth, which is tomorrow, tomorrow uh, is Trogdor's twentieth birthday. Oh my god! Yeah, wow. so Friday, January thirteenth, two thousand six, they released. It's Trogdor's third birthday, and Strong Bad celebrates it with a kick awesome fan stuff montage. So that means his birthday was January thirteenth, two thousand three. That is twenty wow. years ago from tomorrow. Happy birthday, Trogdor! You know, there's been birthday, they Trogdor. they put out a couple of uh, Game Boy games. I think That's they put awesome. out a Trog a Trogdor Game Boy game. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I want to review that for the podcast. I want to. I <laughs> did you guys no, ever play I'll, I'll, their? I'll uh, myself. Did Did you guys play their? Uh, it was like a King's Quest homage. I did play that Dragor. actually. Yeah. I did play what that. What was it called? That was actually kind of fun because I like those kind of like adventurey, clicky, pointy games. Yeah, it, I don't. I don't remember anything. I I just remember Get Ye Flask, and it was you can't get ye flask. <laughs> that was the. <laughs> Have I mentioned Farm Defender on this podcast before? No, I didn't even know it was a thing, honestly. You didn't know I made a game? No. I never talked about this? I don't think so. Mm-mm. I thought I talked about this with the... Nick, when Nick I, I you're going to have to like save this for another podcast. I'm, gonna, I'm the host now. Oh. I'm going to cut this out. We can't do this. You, uh, this is going to derail us entirely. That's like another 45 minutes of content right there. I got to tell you about po- Farm That's the Defender Patreon expert. Yeah, yeah, so if you guys want to hear about Farm Defender, join Patreon. It's our Patreon bonus episode. We'll be talking about Farm Defender. Nick's a game about defending a farm from, uh, it was, yep. uh, Nick, you no, got I'm too many other games about. to talk right, about. You got to tell me about the Atari 50. I, I mean, I, I, I got to get, the okay. Atari yeah. 50 so this was, this is interesting. So you're talking about PS5 graphics on Fortnite, you know, <laughs> which is uh, very funny to me that you take Fortnite, a game that in no way should require top of the line, realistic graphics 
And it, you know, it has them because it's on PS5 and it can, right? And I mean, some of these, I, th- I feel like graphics have, have started to claw themselves out of that uncanny valley where there are, you know, if I'm watching a racing game on PS5, I may as well be watching dash cam footage from an actual yeah. car, right? Absolutely. Like, it's insane, like, how good the graphics processing has gotten. And then the the other side of that is, you know, we have this this range. Like, if you enjoy video games, you can play realistic-looking stuff like that, or you can go all the way back to, you know, you can pull up Atari 50, which is a, a compilation of, there are a 100 Atari games on this. They go all the way back to Atari... 2600 and before that even like in the arcades and you're talking about like you know this is the stone age of video games right like the most basic possible rudimentary graphics that you could possibly play a game with and i just think it's it's fascinating that we're we're in this moment now where we are almost at perfect realism in video games and it <laughs> i'm playing atari 50 which is a digital eclipse release. I think I've mentioned the uh, SNK 40th anniversary on this podcast a lot, which is also digital eclipse. Now the game itself is mostly a, it's like a museum, you know, you're, you're, it's like a museum of wonderful artifacts from like, like, you know, I, I honestly, I think no offense to SNK, but I think the Atari story is much more interesting because it's tied into the, the history of, you know, the beginnings of, of video games and video game consoles. But, you know, and so you, you learn about this history of this company and the history of video games as a, as a medium and as an industry. And then right there is the game that you've been learning about, you know, or you've got interviews with people like, um, I don't, I don't know if Nolan Bushnell, I think he's in a few of these, uh, but, you know, other developers, David Crane and other people who were making games at that time, you know, and they're talking about making a certain game and then, you know, you exit out of the video and there's the game. You can play the game they were talking about. And it's it's just a really cool experience. And it feels like it's not a documentary and it's not a coffee table book and it's not a collection of video games. It's something in between all of those. And when you play it, it really is its own kind of cool experience. It's an interactive experience, you know? And I think it's a really cool way to learn about the history of this medium. I think it really employs the medium itself to learn about the history of it. I think that's really cool. And yeah, there's over 100 games on there. And you go back, and I got to tell you, like a lot of these games, I've never played them before. I've never played a lot of these Atari arcade games. They're really good. They're really good. And they hold up today. And you could... You could play them for, you know, you play them for five minutes. You could play them for 30 minutes. Uh, you put them down, you come back to them. I mean, you got a hundred of them here. Some of them are stinkers. I'm not going to lie. Uh, pretty much everything that they put in there for Jaguar, uh, <laughs> you know, except for Tempest um, sucks. But, you know, that's sure. okay. But, um, you know, it's it's like I'm glad that I can play Jaguar games because I've, I've never really played them before. And... You know, I, I realize they, the library is kind of limited. I've seen that in some criticisms of it. You know, it's but, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, like when you've got all this like legal licensing bullshit, like, yeah, you know, you how are you? You're never going to have a collection of Atari 2600 games that has everything you want from Atari and everything you want from like Activision 
or any of those other developers, the third party. So it's just not going to ever happen. So you just, you know, this is as good as you're going to get. And it is really good. It is really good. So a huge endorsement for Atari 50. Anybody listening to this is probably a fan of video game history. If you haven't picked that up, that's a great one to pick up. And, you know, something I was thinking about, I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you guys before or not, but there is something about a lot of these old school games, uh, arcade games, Atari console twenty games, you know, 2600. They're, they're games that are meant to be played for in short bursts, right? Sure, yeah. Like, you know, you, you're not going to sit down and play a 2600 game for like five hours. Well, maybe you will if you're, you know, some of these games. If you play E.T. Yeah. If you play E.T. If you're playing, you know... Uh, what was it, Solaris or something? Um, you know, some of these games are meant to be played for a while, but most of them were not. Most of them were like score attack games where you're going to play them in short bursts. And I really think that, you know, you when you consider getting younger people interested in these older games, I think a lot of them are kind of primed to appreciate these games because they're so similar to mobile games. You know, they're casual games. That's really what they are. They're games totally that are meant true. to be played in short bursts. It's like, yeah, I was thinking about this with Game Boy. Like, how many of these games are meant to be played on the toilet? Yeah. You know, they're they're, they're <laughs> meant to be. It's like, don't shit your is, pants. Yeah, don't shit your pants. Well, no, <laughs> that's a flash game. Yeah, I think. Um, but no, um, you know, they're meant to be played in in short bursts. Like, they're not meant to suck up a lot of your time. And I, I think that's uh, I so yeah I think a lot a lot of uh, younger gamers now ironically probably in the audience for a game like this well much I think more than any of us would have ever expected you know I, I think you're 100 percent right because we moved so far away from the score attack games like scores don't even show up in video games anymore and and to bring sure. that back might be a very appealing thing to the younger gamers like oh my god i got 150,000 points how many points did you get you know that's the thing that we used to do when we were kids go in and right. pump quarters into the gyrus machine trying to beat nick's high score uh at the up down and i never did <laughs> and so. you never did oh <laughs> no, no I, I, this was last <laughs> weekend so not yet. Yeah. Is my yet. high score still on there? Am no, I still on there? No, it's uh, not. I was. I was. Trying no, they to probably beat. wipe them. I had every high. Yeah. I the entire sky high score sheet. It was all me. Yeah. Well, when I left, it was all me. But I didn't. <laughs> I didn't get higher than your score. That's so, pretty tough. The arcade is pretty tough. Oh, it, it's, it was rough. Uh, you know, it's funny looking at the arcade fifty. Like I honestly hadn't really heard of it before this week atari 50 the atari yeah. 50 thing I, and i thought it was when i first heard of it i thought it was just for the switch but now seeing that it's for the ps5 i'm probably oh, you gotta get, get it. it you gotta get bar you 100%. would really like this you would like this yeah. a lot so yeah. i'm going to get it but like looking through it right now it's something that you and i were talking about this weekend when you pick up an atari like instruction manual or box or even the cartridge for some of the activision ones the art on those boxes like for missile command or oh uh, my god yeah it's you know and it's just art. like and then you you put it in the atari and then it comes up and it's like two lines and a dot and you're just like what the <laughs> fuck is this you know and i remember vividly as a kid thinking to myself one day maybe video games will get to the point where the art on the box will look exactly the same as the game and that's yeah. something that i would love to have right now is a video game <laughs> 
that is done in the style of the old art on the box of the, the 2016 you know, games. Atari is releasing new games now. Yeah. And that would be a really cool thing if they release some retro style games with that art. Like as promotional art, and then you play the game, and it's exactly like that old school Atari box art. Oh my god! Like that's the game. I, that's, I would love that. That, that would, would be, be the so pinnacle cool. of video gaming in my head, right there. Like <laughs> yeah, it would finally. be like the quest. My quest in video games is complete. From whenever that's, I was three, three years old and saw like Yars Revenge and Space Invaders, and then it looked <laughs> nothing like it. And then to finally play it to where it looks like the art that was on the original box when I first played it when I was three years old. I'm done. <laughs> I'm sure that could be done now too. Oh, you know, it, it has to be. That's, yeah. that's the whole 50-year arc of Atari. They finally <laughs> met the aspirations of their own box art. Right. And I remember <laughs> thinking, like, okay, one day video games are going to be a cartoon. You're going to play a cartoon, and it actually right. went more towards playing real life, which is crazy when you look. Like well, Call I don't Duty, know. look at Warfare. Cuphead for Christ's sake. Oh, Cuphead, Cuphead is 100. percent yeah. You're just playing an old school, like, I mean, you know, it's like if you could just step into a Looney Tunes yeah. cartoon and just move the characters around. It's unbelievable. That, that one yeah. seems to be a, a bit of an outlier, which is why it's so special. But like in general, when you look at Red Dead Redemption, Grand Theft Auto, any of these like Forspoken that's coming out, Horizon Zero Dawn, God of War, it's trying to get as close to like real life as possible which I yeah. I didn't expect as a teenager, you know, what playing Mario 64 and Goldeneye. I just kept thinking it was going to keep moving more and more towards being a cartoon, which they've done perfectly with Cuphead. I feel like Atari Origins is going top of my list for my birthday present this year. Well, I got mine. I got mine when it came out. I actually pre-ordered it cuz it looked so good and I Don't honestly you like pay we just, we just went over this. Don't was... pre-order. What are you doing? I t- no, I pre-ordered like some stuff. I'm going to pre-order that. It was so like it was from Digital Clips. It was about Atari. I've that was a sure thing. That's a that okay, is okay. To be fair, sure. yeah, it's like a licensed IP, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, Digital Clip anything Digital Clips puts out is going to be quality. Like you know, it's probably going to be worth buying at full price. You talk about like you know value for money and all that stuff. Like I, I have played played you know i've i've watched and i've read and i've looked at and i've played almost i would say i'm about 95 percent of the way through atari 50 and i I have put probably 10 to 12 hours into it i've definitely gotten my money's worth out of that if i had Mm -hmm. if i had bought a big ass atari coffee table book i would probably be done with it by now Okay. Yeah. And I am still coming back to Atari 50 and I would have paid probably the same amount of money for a giant coffee table book. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's definitely worth the the full price for something like that. I've been just going down the rabbit hole online ever since ever. Since, so I brought my 7,800 over to Nick's and he ran, ran some alcohol around the, uh, <laughs> we cleaned thing. it out. Yeah. Yeah. We cleaned it out, blew it out. And it's, I can actually put the games in and play it right. And now I'm just like going down the rabbit hole and like, I want so many old 2,600 games. It's insane. And then you I should I, get a, you should get a flash card. You really should. Yeah. There's I, I kind of yeah, want the a, actual physical cartridges though. I know. I know. But I mean, you should play like get in there and play some of the games because it's like uh, what the Harmony cart, I think, is not even it's it's a little over 50 bucks. Like, it's not that much. And yeah, that'll play that'll play anything. Twenty six hundred. I've got a list of probably 50 games that I used to have play slash play with my neighbors as a kid that I would love to have again. You know, so 
but I, I want the actual physical consoles. It's crazy. This whole space shuttle thing has been, I've, I've been stuck on that. And I know I sent you guys a thing about it, but like, apparently it's a very in-depth game and I'll send you guys the link to the, the video that I watched about space shuttle 2600. Turns out he like reprogrammed all the switches on the, uh, on the 2600 to work as like main engine cutoff switches and uh, all this like computer switches. So you have to, in addition to using the controller and the button, you have to use all the switches on the console to to actually play the game, which is crazy to me. Well, this is like, it's so weird to me because like, I'm looking at the footage of this, of the screen now and the graphics are just, I'll be honest, graphics are bullshit. Graphics crap. Oh yeah. What is that? Space shuttles for twenty six hundred. Like the 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 graphics are terrible in this game, but sure. the calculations of <laughs> reentry and velocity and heat and you know thrust and all of these things that they have is like in the manual to do. The twenty six hundred can do that. They're breaking a the sweat. Sure, sure. And this is like the. The provenance, this is the, the lineage and the history of computers, is that they were made for ballistic missiles. That was it. Like that was the that was the game <laughs> sure. in nineteen fifties. Right. Like, can I make a missile go really fast? Can I track a missile? I go saw really that. Fast? Was that a Matthew Matthew Broderick movie? Is it Oh War Games? War Games? Yes. But even more than that, I mean I remember I went to the Computer History Museum in Mountain View in California. Oh, that's a great museum. I an love that incredible museum. museum. Just go. amazing. And so they've basically got like from like the first ever theoretical computer that was like imagined in the 1800s, which was never built until recently, all the way through to modern computing. And for there's this period between like the end of the Second World War and let's say like I don't know, like end of Vietnam War or whatever. So like between the 50s and the 70s, where everything is just made by IBM. IBM has made every computer that anybody uses. And most of them are missile tracking or missile defense systems that are deployed in Alaska. Yikes. And they have Mm. every fucking one of them in this museum. Ah, stop. And it's incredible looking at like because you, you look at the graphics on these on these things. Like you look at these screens on these like missile tracking things, and they literally have like like it's it's like a Nintendo game. It's like there's there's an X, there's a screen, and there's like here's a map of Alaska, and here's like the, the trajectory of a missile that we've got. It's like it's literally missile defense. And you have a pen. This was a machine made in like 1959. You've got a pen, and you point on the screen and you say, There's a missile. And the system was okay. I'm sending another missile up. Like, like so none of this missile is, command. It's missile command in real life. It's, it's missile command in real life. Yeah, right. Oh my god, that talk about it. That, that game is stressful enough, right? Playing that game is stressful enough. If you had to play that in real life, god. You know, it's funny you say it because in in Atari Fifty, it's got the backstory of it, and the um, the the game designer was having nightmares about nuclear war. And that's where he came up for the idea for the game. So it, the game, the original arcade game, has a very ominous feel to it. And when yeah. the game is over, like, and it inevitably will be, you cannot win that game. Eventually, the game, you, eventually, all the cities will be destroyed. You know, all of your your 
your missiles will be destroyed. Like it, it will end. And you get this big flashing screen and it, it, you get a big scrolling in the end. That's it. It's just, it just fills the screen and it's extremely ominous, you know, and it's like, you've just got this rumbling noise and then it's dead silence, you know? And yeah, it's, I, I mean, when you, when you read that backstory and you read that the, that the idea for this game came out of this guy having nightmares about nuclear war, it's, then you play the game and it's it's really kind of affecting, you know? I mean, you you can't help but be, be a little bit shook by that. Sure. Sure. But I mean, that was a guy who just dreamed it up. But he didn't have, like, clearance on what was actually happening. And the, the funny thing is, like, what was happening was actually closer to his dream than he imagined. Like, he, yeah. he told this story. I right. had this dream. Right. This crazy thing. That would never happen. We would never have an actual crazy. No, no, actually, that was fucking really ridiculously close to <laughs> well, the truth. Making games on on hardware that was designed for exactly that purpose. Like, <laughs> like there was this thing recently where people were like, I don't know, they were kind of making fun of like you know Twitter and Facebook and whatever, and how like whatever is like the most awful thing that's been imagined in a science fiction novel. For some reason, like Silicon Valley companies are like, oh, we made that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> what was it? The, 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 the dream destroyer uh, where it like goes inside your brain while you sleep and uh, kills all of your good dreams and replaces them with paranoid fantasies. Yeah, we actually made that. Uh, we've, we're, like, we're releasing that in, uh, in 2024. Yeah. Um, put what, what is guns that? on the backs of the DARPA dogs and send them into the streets of San Francisco. Right, just like all these—is this what Elon Musk has been working on with his like Neuralink stuff? Well, I mean, that's it. It's like, it, like, what, what else could that be? It's literally like, yeah, all these cautionary tales in science fiction. Like, don't hook your brain up to a computer; that would lead to a dystopian future. <laughs> right. And then, like every Elon one, Musk, every like, single one of these sci-fi stories is like, don't do that. It's like, right? well, I think we should do. But what if we did? What yeah. if? Wouldn't that be cool if we could do it? <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> Like who watches that episode of Black Mirror where it's like the thing with <laughs> like you know the memory in place like awesome doing it right now let's go like <laughs> oh you know that episode of Black Mirror where they're like on the on the uh, the bikes and they have to like look at the screen if they look away the ad pauses you know like it was like one of the first episodes you know there's Google's yeah. like shitting themselves to try to get that to actually be a thing. <laughs> That's it. It's like, oh, guess what? You know that you know that horrifying vision of a future that we never want to guess we just being launched this this summer. Yeah. Coming to you. Yeah. For your uh ad revenue dollars coming on the PSVR too. Right? Eye tracking okay. and everything. You know, I had, I had a dream that my pet frog got out and uh was jumping across the freeway. Maybe we should make a game about that. <laughs> All right, uh, host. Why don't you uh, progress us along here in this conversation? I shall. I shall. This has been a wonderful progression, and I shall continue the wonderful progression. Who's One the, the next? Tones... You have it. I think you need to talk. Excuse me. Excuse to me. Toast is talking. Okay. Okay. Excuse me. Fine. 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 I'm gonna. I'm gonna back off here. <laughs> One of the kind of themes we've been touching on quite a bit is playing with our younger relatives and people in our family, and that's something I've been doing a lot this year. And especially around the holiday season, uh, my kids got a gift from my brother of Splatoon 3. Side note, they also got a gift of the like Mario soccer game, the like soccer all-stars. I don't know if you've seen this. Yeah. Really, really hard to get into. Like they the two the, the tutorial is like 
ridiculously tough to get into. The kids played it both for like 30 minutes each, and they were both like, wow, I don't want to play this ever again. So they have not played that since. But Splatoon 3, let me tell you, they haven't played Splatoon 1 and 2, so they're lost in the, in the, in the greater Splatoon universe and the storyline. But it turns out it doesn't matter much because all you're doing is just like painting worlds and, and just like painting other people with ink. And then sometimes those people, you know, get, you know, ghosted away and then they come back. Mm-hmm. And I think what Splatoon is for our family, and I guess for a lot of families that Nintendo has figured out, is that there's a lot of people who want to play Fortnite who are quite young. And there's a lot of parents who don't want their kids playing with shotguns at age eight. Fair enough. (laughs) And so there's this really nice marriage of those two ideas in Splatoon 3. And so the kids have been really, really into that. And I've been kind of getting into it too. I've been playing with them. I've been like seeing how it does the online play. So it's it's like this really like simple way for kids to get into online play because there's no like voice chat. Um, but there is like you can kind of make yeah. messages and like share those messages online. Uh, yeah, and, like, I really wish that. I wish though. I wish Switch had voice chat. I mean, that was one of the reasons why I stopped playing Fortnite with you guys because it's such a pain in the ass yeah. to do voice chat when you're playing games on Switch because you like I have to download the Nintendo app on my phone or something, you know, or I just like call you guys. Are you plugging into the headphones in the Switch itself? Can you do that though? Yeah. What I actually did was. I I literally I did a Zoom call <laughs> on my phone at the same time as like having the headphones over my like in ears. <laughs> you just Zoom call. <laughs> oh my god! See, okay, it was ridiculous. So I I need to get Splatoon three because I like my uh, yeah my my son really likes Splatoon. We got the demo for Splatoon two, and he he actually got to where he really enjoyed it. And my my daughter was interested too. If your kids are playing that, then we should. Uh, we should figure out how to oh, yeah. do it like an online thing. Well, I mean, I so they're now because what happened was they were super obsessed with Minecraft, and now they're kind of coming full circle where they want to rebuild parts of Splatoon in Minecraft. Minecraft <laughs> is an incredible <laughs> drug. Minecraft is just wow. insane because people. Well, that's the thing. Like kids who are really into Minecraft, they don't say like, "Okay, I'm finished playing playing Minecraft now." What they do is they play another game, and they play that game for a while. And they're like, "Wow, that was fun. Why don't we try making that in Minecraft?" And it's just like well, Minecraft doesn't end though. There's no ending to Minecraft. It's just like this constant. It's an it's a it's an eternal sandbox, you right. know. So. And they, so what they what they've been really into with Minecraft is there is like a Super Mario mod where there's literally like oh. question mark boxes and like you know you can like the music the theme music of Mario plays like they've licensed it somehow on the Switch and so you can build Mario worlds in Minecraft and so they made. I shit you not, a restaurant. <laughs> they made a restaurant wow. in the Mario world. Whatever reason, that was what they thought it was like Mario was missing. The Mario needs a, a restaurant. And so like they've been building that and now they're like playing Splatoon. They're like, yeah, we need to also have like paint and ink all over Minecraft. Wow. And they're like talking about the different materials and stuff. But yeah, we should absolutely get your kid together with my kids and, and well, do that. Well, he like, was really collab. cute cuz after after he friended your kids, which, you know, were like his first friends ever on Switch. Um he you know, I was telling him like, well, but you know, if we're going to get together with with Connor's kids, then we're going to have to, you know, they're in London, so we're going to have to get up early 
you know, because <laughs> and so he he got up the next morning at like 7 a.m. And he's like, Dad, we got to get up and get on the switch. <laughs> I was like, what? But as I, it was so cute. But I was like, That's no, adorable. we're not doing that. <laughs> he was like, what? <laughs> it's like, you know, but yeah. But but I I mean yeah we'll we'll figure no, we that out. But he's he's really wants to play games with your kids. So I just need to figure out because this is the the hard part with the whatever the addition of Minecraft they have. I don't know how easy it is to like host a person who's not like in the room going into the Minecraft realm or whatever that they've made. So yeah, I don't know how that works. But like honestly, at this point, the kids know more than I do. But yeah, long story short, Splatoon three, really great game in terms of like it's it it's it sits in a sweet spot for for certain families and it's a great like intro to online battle royale deathmatch kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, if you guys are on there then I'll I'll get it and uh and Grant can join up and we can have some but, uh, uh, noon over here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the one of the things that, that strikes me about it is that there's just like so much content in a new game now. Like when you buy a a game like that. Yeah. Not only is there like all these different modes of online play, there's like a whole adventure quest. There's a whole like mm-hmm. customize your character thing. There's a whole like avatar. There's a whole like, you know, world oh, to wow. explore. And I'm like kind of almost intimidated by it. And also it's, mm. it is kind of frustrating in a way that something like Fortnite is not. Cause Fortnite, like you were saying earlier, Bart, like it's a really good game for just kind of like, kind of chilling out and like talking to people in and like you know having fun yeah you really feel like it, it's not as bad as call of duty because it's not like toxic because it's not like this crazy chat but like it's pretty obvious that like you've been matched with like a couple of people who are really really good on your team and they will like bounce off of your team immediately after one match and then you'll be stuck kind of like matchmaking for like over a minute and it's like yeah it's definitely teaching the boys patience when it comes to like online matches and like getting people to, you know, get what would you call it, like assigned to teams or whatever. So yeah, it's just like it's like super tangent from like all the other stuff we've been talking about, but I just wanted to bring it up because it's like it's what has been going on in my house for the past two or three weeks. <laughs> I love how these kids get obsessed with games and it's it's fun when uh, my son is obsessed with the same game I am. So like we were, one of my honorable mentions. I can skip ahead to this was as Hades because yet again oh, yeah. it was my number one played game this year. Dude, I, I got to say I don't think Hades is an honorable mention. I think Hades is a straight up like that's a really important game to mention for twenty twenty two. I can't stop fucking playing it, man. I put in over one hundred and fifty hours of that game last year, and I put in another fifty hours this year, or more <laughs> than that. It's got to be like sixty something I, at this point. It is one of those games that uh, I think we were talking about this on Twitter. Like there are games that hook you with their story, and then there are games that hook you with their gameplay. Right? Hades does this masterful thing where it brings you in with the story, and that's what keeps you going in the beginning as you're learning the the game mechanics, which are actually extremely deep. And as you learn the game mechanics, you become more and more invested in the gameplay. And so by the time the story has run out, which takes a hundred hours, I mean, it is an incredibly deep... Yeah, I mean, I am still getting lines of dialogue I have never heard before after 200 hours of gameplay. Like, it is unbelievable. But... I do feel like I played out like the major story elements by this point. 
but the thing that keeps me going is that I have I I have grown to enjoy the gameplay so much. It has gotten to a point where I cannot pick up that game without committing a couple weeks to it. Because every time I pick it up, I'm like, oh my God, I you know, I now I gotta get back to where I was. And once I, I get my skill back, then I, I wanna start beating my old times, you know, and it's like, oh my God. I, I have to stay away from that game now if I want to get anything done for like this podcast. I will not play games for this podcast because I'm so busy playing Hades. You know, it's it's yeah, I have to stay away from it. But I, I did break two hundred hours on this game. That's the first time I've broken two hundred hours on a game since I played Fallout New Vegas ten years ago. Wow. So you know, here's something weird. I just looked this morning to see how much time I put into Fortnite. And I think there's something wrong with the PS5 because I've had the PS5 for a year and it says the PS5 version of Fortnite, I put 1400 hours in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which is insane. If, if you divide, what is it? If you divide 1400 into 365, but like online games are different. Online right. games are different. That's 3.8 hours a day, every single day for a year. There's no way in hell I'm playing that much. And but I how think, much time of the how much of that time was just spent talking to your friends? Yeah, we're playing the whole time that we're talking, you know. Yeah, but that's just hanging out. You're just hanging out with people. Right. You know? Right. But I mean when I when I get on in an evening, it'll be after everybody goes to bed and my buddy's house, everybody goes to bed at his house, and it's usually like ten PM and they're like, You guys want to play a couple games? And we'll get on and probably play till midnight. You know, and that's two, maybe three times a week. Now, what's really crazy though is with the PS5, when you leave a game, it keeps it running in the background. So, like, mm. I've played like in the afternoon with a buddy of mine and left and like watched a movie with my family. And then, like, okay, well, we're done watching the movie. You want to play again? And I'll go back in and it doesn't load the game up. It just pops me right back into the lobby. So, I'm wondering if it's counting that <laughs> as like, you know the the three Could hours be. that we watched Avatar is that three hours of gameplay because I'm like fourteen hundred hours <laughs> in Fortnite in a year is insane. <laughs> That's dedication. Oh my god! There's, yeah, no way I played that much. But I mean, I play a lot, but not like that shit. That's crazy. So who's going next, Connor? You got to so. Well, what I was going to ask about that is like because. <laughs> I, I, I do know that my kids have pushed way over 200 hours on Minecraft. So I was just going to say that it is possible. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is definitely yeah. possible. <clears throat> but they they pretty much played that almost every day for like, like we, we, we regimented it to like an hour max, but like they play that every day for like a year. They really love Minecraft. Like, it is just, I, I mean, it's yeah. crazy how much yeah. that is like captured their imagination. It's it's funny um, when a game becomes just part of your like chill routine, you know. Like if I were not doing this podcast, my the time I put into Hades would would be much higher than it is. Like because it's just it is a great way to just like decompress. You know, I go, I jump in there and I do a couple of loops and I'm I'm ready to go to bed. You know, I do that a couple times a week. Right. I think it's the same way you're talking about Fortnite. I yep. It's the same way my my son handles Minecraft. You know, it's just like I just I just want to play this. I just want to decompress. You know, yeah. that's what it's about. Well, you told so. me about Hades uh, right about right before we started doing this podcast, maybe. And I played, I think I played for three or four months and I put a lot of time into it. I love that game. But it's like, just like you said, we started having to play these 
right. anytime I'm not spent in Fortnite, I'm I'm on the NES or playing an emulator trying to you know, yeah. Do stuff we've got this. other games. But did you beat Hades? No, no. I um, no. I, it's funny because I, I went over to your house and your son was talking about having to do like fishing. I've never yeah, seen anything fi- having yeah, to fishing. do with fishing. Oh, I've, wow. I've never seen. So I don't, I'm not even that far. So I haven't even made it to like the highest level yet. But he I'm, he I'm, has cleared it. He has beaten the final boss now 13 times. And in fact, I wow. think I think his streak is longer than mine. Like his wow. streak of clears, which wow. he is playing it on easy mode. He's playing it on god mode, which he has like 80 percent damage resistance. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's a different game, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's still for a, a seven-year-old to clear it 13 times. is pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I don't sure. think any of my adult friends have pulled that off. So, <laughs> yeah, right. You know. Well, so what I was going to say, though, is, you know, Nick, you'd mentioned about how that game kind of hooks you with the story and then, like, kind of then keeps you with the gameplay. Right. I mean, in terms of a game that is just seems to me to be so story-driven by the promotions of it and so focused on the story... I mean, Horizon Forbidden West came out this year, and the whole thing about it was like this continuation of a universe that has this story that was just so compelling. I mean, Bart, that seems to be like a game you got really into this year. I did. Yeah, and I don't know, I don't know anything about that. So can you tell me like some backstory? Like, what the hell are those games about? It's, it's a post-apocalyptic thing set in the very, very far future. And it, the, basics, the basics is... There was a tech company that was working with robotics, and there are robotic animals roaming the countryside. Um, and as the main character, your your objective is you know to take down these giant robotic <laughs> animals. They're like dinosaurs, and uh, in the new one, there's like robotic gorillas and bears, and like it's uh, giant crocodiles that swim in the water. Then uh, there's like a like a robotic diplodocus or however you say that <laughs> that's in one of the lakes and it's gigantic <laughs> but you once you kill these things then you strip parts off of it and you use it to uh upgrade your gear um that's a very very simplified version it's a huge open world with tons of side quests and you're trying to basically figure out where you came from because there's something special about the main character huh. and it's um it's very it's a very deep, very long game, and I have probably gotten. I I played this game. I played it a lot this year. I I made it all the way to the to San Francisco, but I haven't like started playing those those quests yet because I just I just kind of put it on the back burner to do uh, something else, some other game. Oh, so it's in like actual North America. Yeah. And uh, I just, yeah, because like everything that I looked at the game, it looked like some fantasy world. I no, it's just like it's, it's actual North America, far, far future North America. Like when you're walking through, okay. walking through San Francisco, there's like, you know, the skeletal remains of the pyramid building, whatever that Transamerica, Transamerica pyramid. pyramid. Yeah. yeah. Um, so is there a period just, in the game where you just want to put down the controller, like pause it? And just like raise your fist and say, "You dumb, dirty tech diplodocus!" Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the time. And another yeah. thing about that game too, that the Horizon Zero Dawn, when it came out for the PS4, might have been the best looking game I had ever played. Like, there were moments where you would just stop and just be in awe at what how it looked, and it had a it has a built in like camera feature where you can 
take screenshots and like it's amazing and the ps5 version of the sequel is just like so much beyond that it's mm. it's crazy how good this game looks like i'm I, i'm just continually in awe of how good these games are looking these days and it's well, well I, then i, I guess know. that's it's, my question is like is it is it the looks that brought you in and made you get all the way to san francisco or is it like is there a compelling story because like it's obviously incredible that these games have such graphical power but i'm curious mm-hmm. to know is it is there still a great story there there's there is a great story there honestly the thing that that pushes me to go farther in the game is there there's a monster called i think it's called a thunderjaw which is basically a robotic tyrannosaurus <laughs> and it shoots these yeah. like laser discs at you not laser discs but like these discs and it's re- <laughs> it's really First time you come across one, they just completely stomp you. And like, you're just, you're a dead man in in a second, you know, like for the first half of the game, you're running from them and then you're slowly powering up. And like, once you get to a point where you have there, there's a a perk called like tear that if you can uh, raise that perk, every time you shoot an arrow at this thing, it'll tear a piece of uh, equipment off of it. And, or you can have explosive arrows, but if you mod your weapons in such a way, you could take these things down now with like two shots, three shots. And it's so satisfying to just like build up your gear and your armor to where you're just walking through the countryside, like a badass, fearing nothing until you get a little further in and you find something that's even bigger and worse you know so it's like that's that's a continual like you know you just kind of keep hitting that button and getting a pellet it's just like you know you just keep Mm -hmm. getting higher and higher and like more powerful and more powerful until you come across an even more powerful enemy and it just that's what kept me going uh i haven't i haven't finished it yet i am wanting to get back into it but that's the problem with some of these games that are so freaking huge if you take a break from it now I got to go back in and I got to relearn yes. the combat. I got to right. relearn yes. all the buttons and like where I was and like what the story was. And it's just like, well, fuck, I might as well There's start over. So many you games know? that I, I'm afraid to even start just because of that kind of attitude, just because there's so, because there's so many great games. There's never been more great games out there, but even the indie games that I see where like, it could be a great one. I've never played undertale. And I've read okay. like, you know, blog posts and tweets about it. I've listened to the soundtrack up and down and all the remixes. I've seen video essays about it. It's obviously a great game. I know I would love it. It's going to be a fantastic game. But like, if, if I was to play that game halfway and then stop and then walk away for three months, I would have to go back and start a brand new game. Like there is just no way mm-hmm. yeah. I would remember I think all a lot of, of the little like storyline yeah. points that are like relevant, all the little kind of subtle things that I would have picked up on in that first you know, run through that then impact subsequent run throughs. Like I just I know I would actually have a sub par experience of the game if I didn't dedicate like a a chunk of time to just like run yeah. through all of it. That's how I feel about the outer wilds. I have heard nothing but amazing things about that game saying like, that is the one game that you owe it to yourself to go in and play spoiler free through the whole game. And it's absolutely mind blowing. And so I bought it 
and I started playing it and I got a good ways through it. And like, there is some really cool shit in that game that you discover while you're playing. But then I got pulled away from it and, you know, three months go by and I go back and I'm like, I don't, I don't remember a damn thing about where I was. And it's just like, I got, that's like, you know, 10 hours of gameplay into it that I just like is wasted because I didn't have the time to finish it. So I'd love to start that one over. I'm I'm at a point now where I'm like, I want to know about it so much that I'm almost to the point where I just, I just want to watch a, a playthrough, you know, <laughs> watch a 10 yeah. hour playthrough of somebody. I, and this is, this is something else where like Twitch playthroughs and things like this, I found myself kind of like I come into it. I, I kind of pull back come into it I'm, I'm like really interested in somebody's like playthroughs like i'm gonna pull back and then right. there's this one guy um i think he's like his handle is like the beast one three something or whatever but he is playing every single n64 game he's beating every <laughs> single n64 Whoa. game and that is actually achievable because there's like 260 something games for the platform he's about halfway through right now and that is fun to watch because some of the games are just clunkers, right? And some of them are like really, sure. really bad. Some of them are like a lot of fun to watch. Because he's not. He, this is including all the Japanese releases. This is like all of the games for the for the N sixty four. And I just I do really enjoy being able to dip into that. But at the same time, like we're here to play games. And Nick, I want you to close this out. Right. <laughs> what are we doing here? What other games do we want to mention before we well, wrap this so up? Well, so I I did have a whole list of game. You get I, I had a whole list. You know, of games no, that, no, that no, 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 no. You you get two. No, I got no, I got these honorable. I can do these quickly. Hold on. All right. Um, <laughs> but I get two. I wrote all these down. God damn it. <laughs> Storm Wind is another one that I want to do on an upcoming episode. It is a Dreamcast game. It is a shoot 'em up. It is, uh, it's called a Euro shmup. I don't exactly know what that means, but it is out of Germany. And it is, uh, it's one of these games where you have three different weapons and you kind of, it's contextual. You have to learn which weapon to use at which part of the game. You know, that'll make it easier to play. Uh, kind of like the old Hellfire game on Genesis, if you ever played that. But it is a, it is by, at least according to some of the other Dreamcast podcasts that I have listened to, it appears to be considered to be maybe the best homebrew, you know, indie Dreamcast game, whatever you want to call those, that has ever come out. I think it was released originally around 2012 for the Dreamcast. Wow. It got a modern release as Sturmwind EX, and I played that on Switch, and it is really good. It's just a great sh- shoot 'em up. Uh, really worth checking out. Great graphics, great atmosphere. I, I really like it. One more homebrew I want to give a shout out to, Pine Creek. We were auditioning games. Well, I I was auditioning games for our Halloween episode, and that was one that I came across. We might do it for Halloween next year. Uh, It is a top-down adventure Game Boy game, kind of in the style of Dead AS, but it does not have the supernatural element that Dead AS does, but it's really there's a lot of flavor in the game so that you can interact with almost everything and everybody. And, and there's all kinds of flavor text written into it. And it's really well-written. I, I really enjoyed that one. Lonely mountains downhill is an indie game I played for uh, switch and it's that's on like steam and, and, and other platforms. Lonely mountains downhill. It is a, uh, a game where you are going down 
mountains on a mountain bike. And <laughs> it's oddly relaxing. And you wouldn't think that because you're on a mountain bike going down mountains. And like the death animations here is something else. Because, you know, you think about you're on a mountain bike. So you'll hit a rock and your little bike will go flying. And your your poor little character will like hit a tree and then a rock and another tree. And then he'll fall off like a thousand foot cliff. And the entire way down, he's like, every time he hits the cliff, there's like blood flying out. It's it's horrifying, you know, but then you get to the bottom and you just restart and you're at, at the last checkpoint, right? And it's... What's <laughs> so, the name of that again? <laughs> Lonely Mountains Downhill. Oh, wow. I was picturing it is, like ski free or something. Yeah, it sounds like that. But it's it's actually very relaxing. There's there's very little music. It's it's a surprisingly minimalistic game. And the thing is, is that like once you get to the bottom of the hill and you're just like chilling there and you know, you can like hear the birds chirping and you're, you you got your bike and you're just sitting there in nature and it's like it is weirdly relaxing. I don't know. I I enjoyed that. I got into kind of a weird meditative space with that game. Where where did you play it? I played it on Switch, but you can get it on like any platform. I'm sure you can get it on PS5. Nice. Yeah. That was a good one. And then the final game I I played as again, these are not games that came out this year. They're not homebrew games. They're just games that we liked, you know, that we played. Gyarus for the Mega Drive and Genesis. I had never played that game before. In fact, before a year, maybe a year ago, I had never even heard of it. But, you know, as I've said, I've gotten really into shmups lately. That is considered to be one of the best shoot 'em ups on the Genesis. And so it's, you know, that makes it one of the best retro shoot 'em ups out there. And that is a cool game with a, a really interesting mechanic where you you can capture enemies just like you do in one of those Darius games. I, I guess it's like a G Darius or something, but you you shoot out a little ball and then you capture enemies and you they uh, enhance your weapons. So every single enemy, it's almost like a Pokemon thing where you're like, you know, you got to catch them all and, and you just see what all their different weapons are. And yeah, I have not played that very much. I've just played it a little bit, but from what I played of it, it's really fun and really cool. So I'm, I definitely want to get more into that. So those are my honorable mentions for the year. That's it. Of the three of us, I play way too many video games. So I'm done now. I'm I'm not going to talk about anything else. So I'm done. <laughs> All right. Host. Host. What, what are we doing now? Host up. Well, first of all, we're resolving to uh, have to just like meet you. Uh, at your ability at video game playing. Like we just got you guys need to step it up. Obviously 2023. Me and Bart have to just like fucking make a pact to just play shit tons more video games. Like obviously you got to play shit like, tons more video games. That's right. Um, but realistically, <laughs> my, New <Year's> resolution, um, <laughs> my New Year's resolution for 2023 was to play less video games. Oh, right. <laughs> it's going to be rough. This is such a privilege to be able to just like talk about these kind of games. It's so much fun oh, yeah. to be able to like go through all of this and exchange this information because like just talking to both of you about all of this stuff is so interesting. I love hearing your perspectives on all these games. <laughs> like I'm, I'm fucking entertained doing this. That's why I enjoy making this podcast. Yeah. I think for 2023, in terms of like looking to the future, like homebrew has never been more exciting. I'm just like so stoked for some of this. And I want to just bring up like one of the things we were kind of like dancing around for some of this podcast, which was like pre-ordering. Like, if you're going to make a game, just 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 take your time. Make the game, right? Full quiet. 
dude. I mean, that's the only one I want to mention. It's just like <laughs> not yeah. we haven't played it all. Like we haven't really seen it, but it is just so hype. It looks so good. I just want to kind of leave on a note of like what we're we're obviously going to play this game at some point, and we're going to talk about it on the podcast. But like, what's what's going on with that, and what what are we excited about for that game? Well, you know, we mentioned this when we recorded our episode on Leve de Mor, and I I was saying we really needed to launch like a, a separate channel just for this game. And that, as we're recording now, I think that was like what three days ago. And I did launch this thing, and it's really taken off. And we've got a whole bunch of new people who jumped on the Discord to talk about it. So, yeah, this is a thing, man. This is an ongoing thing. We're talking about Full Quiet. It is a very deep, very ambitious, and very mysterious game for the NES. There's a lot going on there. And so we are, you know, it's one of those games that I think a lot of people, if they played it by themselves, would probably not finish it. You know, I can tell you right now, I probably would not. It would join the pile of games on my shelf next to, uh, let's see here, Legacy of the Wizard, and what's the other game that this really reminded me of? Uh, Battle of Olympus, you know, Adventure of Link. These kind of games that are very ambitious for what that platform is capable of, and the kind of games that you really have to commit to. It takes a real commitment of time, and a real commitment of you know, just I'm going to sit down here with a notebook and I'm going to fill this thing up with all these little clues and all these different maps. It's that kind of a game. And it's the kind of thing that I think in this day and age, it it is not just a retro game. It is like a retro experience, you know, because you have to bring a lot to the table outside of the game. You you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's it it requires that. And I think... Doing that kind of thing is easier and more fun when you're doing it with other people. Right. Okay. Right. And so one of the things that I think that we can do with the podcast and with the Discord and, and all this stuff is that we can host a platform for people who want to do that to get together and do it. So I think it's really cool to see, you know, I, we opened up this Discord thread on it and folks have just been pouring out information into this thing and mm. there's spoiler tags everywhere. But I mean, if you, if you, decide you want to take on this game you know that thread is where you need to go because it is uh i mean yeah i can't i i have barely gotten into it yet but now i'm really looking forward to it whereas before i was very intimidated by the idea of even getting started with it now i'm like super excited about it because i i can't wait to dive in and talk to everybody else about you know the experience well i mean Bart, I don't know if you have anything to add about that, about like Full Quiet or any kind of games like that. Okay, so I honestly, I hadn't heard of the game until everybody started saying, oh my God, five years, I finally got it, I finally got it, I finally got it. And then I started (laughs) looking into it and I was like, Jesus, this game looks awesome. And then I'm like, how do I get my hands on a copy without having to wait five years? Like, apparently it is for sale on the website, but if I go and I buy that, is it going to take me five years to get a copy, or no, do they have no, no. some sitting there that I could? They will get it to you. I mean, the retrotainment's pretty professional. I mean, they'll they'll bust it out. Yeah, and I think you can. I'm pretty sure you can probably buy it on Backer Kit. I don't know that for sure, but yeah, uh, that's how I, I bought it on Backer Kit, like a year after the Kickstarter concluded. So I I think I paid for it back in 2019. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can. I'm pretty sure you can get a hard copy of this game, and if you can't get it 
yet uh, digitally. I'm sure it'll be available before too long. Yeah, because I also want to. Cool. I want to get that, and I want to get the Garbage Pail Kids game. Now um, that one is available on Steam. Yeah. yeah, that one's already out on Steam. And I, yeah, so you guys can't play this yet because I've got the physical copy, and I don't. Uh, I don't have anything to dump it with, so I, I can't send it to you anyway. That wouldn't. That would be uh, inappropriate. So, sure. Well, uh, we uh, as soon as the they release it. Yeah, as soon as they really, yeah, you could just borrow it from you. Have a fucking NES now. Yeah, I do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's right. Well, so, I, I'm uh, just really excited by what you're mentioning, Nick, about it being like such a collaborative experience. I think that's really, that really brings me back to when I was playing games when I was younger and people would be playing the same game or you'd be talking about like how far you were progressing or whatever. Oh, yeah, you talk about so, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna put exactly. a flag in the ground here. Not only am I excited for the peer pressure that both of you guys are gonna add to me to get you know on top of playing this game, I I want the Discord to get on top of me and tell me like why aren't you giving me more updates? Right? I want people to be like heckling me, <laughs> singing off key to me, saying things that are like borderline insulting about my gameplay ability and all the rest. Maybe I'll live to regret this and ask you to cut this out, but. Maybe that's, I, I want to be like part of a bigger like group of people playing this game because it sounds like it's such an experience. Yeah. I'm actually kind of excited for that. I can tell you, just looking at my own schedule, I am probably, I think we're probably not going to get to this on the podcast until like May or June. Mm-hmm. Like it, mm-hmm. We're going to, it's going to take a little while. It's going to take a, a little while because, you know, this is a big game and we're going to have to really work up to it. And, um, I want to make sure that I've I've given it everything I can that I've really do, dove into it and and you know mm-hmm. um, and that we give everybody else enough time. So right. if you're interested in this game, now is the time to start playing. Yeah, and yeah, uh, you know if it takes you three months to beat, then you'll be ready to. Uh, it's almost to like podcast. this is like a side quest of the podcast, whereas normally we'd be like, it's, oh, here's the next game we're playing. Like right. It's like yeah. this is going to be the side quest game. Guys, well, and I mean, been... you know, the format of the podcast, like we kind of give people like maybe two or three weeks to beat a game, you know, and, and then, well, we give ourselves two or three weeks to beat a game and then we got to record a podcast about it. And I, I kind of like the idea of having, you got the, your short games broken up with your really long games and, you know, maybe we got a game that's going to take us three months to beat. Mm. But in the meantime, we're playing like little bitty games that mm-hmm. we can record episodes about. So, yeah. Tiny, maybe tiny little updates at the end of each episode. How, how's it going mm. with Full Quiet? Yeah, little right. teasers. Yeah. All right, guys. All right. This Connor, has been an incredible. Do you want to read the outro? Or... Excuse me, I'm talking yeah. right now. Okay, fine, fine. <laughs> uh, Worst man. guest ever. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just let me take over? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Where? No, I don't even have the intro script. I was just going to be like, like. Don't you, you don't have it in front of you? No, I don't. Oh, you don't have the link. You should. You should go. You should. You should go for it, Nick. Do you want me to? Huh? Yeah, I do. You should. All go right. For it. Fine. 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 All right. This has been the Homebrew Game Club podcast. You can find links to our Discord, back episodes of the show, or other social media at homebrewgameclub.com. and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Mastodon at HB Game Club. If you like the show, please help us out by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or by telling all your retro gaming friends about our podcast. If you have comments or a suggestion for a game that you would like to hear us talk about, shoot us a message on social media, especially Discord, or email us at homebrewgameclub.com. 
Our opening music is by Twee. You can find him on Twitter at TUI2A03, where you can find a link to his SoundCloud. Our outro music is by Raftronaut, and you can find him on Twitter at 0000Jordan. You can follow me, Nick, on Twitter, Instagram, Video Game Sage, or Mastodon at Divertov. That's D V E R T O V. Bart is on Instagram as clever username needed, no spaces. And Connor is on Twitter at C O N O R N A S H, also no spaces. Uh, and he's also on Mastodon. Tune in next time to the Humbrew Game Club when we will be talking about uh, what are we talking about? What What's our remains? Drink? What remains? What remains for the NES? Thank you for listening. Yeah, Connor got very fired. Rambling podcast. What? <laughs> Connor got fired. Connor got fired. You just cut me out. I was having a good time when you cut me out. I asked you to read the intro and you're like, nah. You quit. You didn't get fired. You quit. Fair, fair. Well, you say that so you don't have to pay him unemployment. Way to go. That's right. <laughs> We're going to unionize, Nick. Me and Bart. This is good. I enjoy these long, rambly ones. You probably will hate it when it comes to the edit. But, yeah, I'm oh, going to yeah. hate editing this, but sure. No, this is this is a <laughs> terrible edit, but this is why I enjoy. I enjoy. Well, this is like you can fire me because I get free labor. That's what I get. I, I don't get. even know what I'm going to do with half this audio. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh God.